Okay, good evening and welcome to the January 31st, 2024 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Jose Lopez will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Vice President Alex Lemberg, Commissioner Rick Swig, Commissioner John Trezvina, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Up front, we have Tina Tam, the deputy zoning administrator representing the planning department, and Kevin Birmingham, senior inspector with the Department of Building Inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have any questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules, or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Go to our website and click on hearings and then go to the Zoom link. Or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 899-2219-1434. And again, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you are watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star nine, which is the equivalent of raising your hands so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have two to three minutes depending on the length of the agenda and the volume of the speakers. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we will take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. 
So item number one is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who would like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there anyone here for general public comment? Anyone in the room? Let me check Zoom. Anyone on Zoom for general public comment? I don't see anybody, so we'll move on to item number two. Commissioner, comments and questions? Good evening, everybody. Thank you for being here, commissioners. Any comments or questions? I think we're good. Okay, so we will move on to item number three, the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners, before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the January 17th, 2024 meeting. Commissioners, any comments or, or do I hear a motion to adopt? Motion to adopt, please. Okay, is there any public comment on the motion to adopt the minutes? I don't see any public comments, so on that most motion, President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Vice President Lember? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. So item number four is a special item. Uh, this is the Board of Appeals budget priorities for fiscal years 25 and fiscal year 26. It's an opportunity for members of the public to provide the board input on budget priorities pursuant to section 3.3B1 of the administrative code in advance of the board's consideration of the fiscal year 25 and 26 budget. Is there any member of the public who would like to comment on the budget? Anyone in the room? Anybody on Zoom? Okay, I don't see any public comments, so we're gonna move on to item number five. Or, yes, five. This is appeal number 23-060, Daniel DeStefano versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, subject property 525 Hearst Avenue, appealing the issuance on November 7th, 2023 to Dana and Edward Wong of an alteration permit. New seven by 14 foot deck at rear with three foot staircase. Revision to building permit number 2023-0314-3656. And this is permit number 2023-1020-9145. And we will hear from the appellant first. Mr. De Stefano. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to express my concerns regarding my neighbor's renovation project. I have tried to communicate these concerns to the building department on numerous occasions, but did not feel either fully understood or listened to. On a general note, given the major house renovation and extensive excavation that has taken place, I believe there should have been advanced notification given to the neighbors so that any concerns about the project could have been identified and resolved during the review of permit. Aside from guarding the interior, you can see in my exhibit eight and read in my complaint that the excavation extended to the backyard to include rebar reinforcement, drainage, and substantial concrete patio. It is my understanding from my conversation with the planning department that such excavation and extra bill requires a permit. The one opposition letter notes permitting the floor on rain drains, but does not indicate where they were installed. 
in December, months after the construction, I was notified that a deck permit was issued. When I reviewed the plans, it showed the deck support beams sitting on concrete pylons. The plan did not show the already built patio extension, PC exhibit B. There is no mention of stairs full length or landing. Aside for this concern and permitting issues on a personal level, the proposed deck will greatly impact the use of our yard. The deck and staircase, as you can see in the exhibits provided by the plaintiff, or pardon, the Mr. Wong, exhibit two and four, extends well behind my home and will look into our bedroom windows. This, along with the other laws of privacy, negatively affects and enjoyment of our garden. Thank you for consideration to grant my appeal. Okay, thank you. I don't see, I see a question from Commissioner Shazbina. Thank you, Mr. Stefano. My question is, what specifically do you want changed in your neighbor's plan? Uh, well, uh, it's the fact that the deck is built in uh, unwarranted construction. Uh, the patio um, extend the uh, foundation uh, and floor of the house outside of the building. And the original permits, and when I went to see in the building department, does not indicate any work or approve any work, nor approve excavation. So um, now they want to put a deck on top of it. So that's my concerns, aside for uh, the specifics uh, of having uh, privacy. So, so you want no deck, correct? Pardon me? You want, the, you want no deck to be built? No. Okay. And have you asked Mr. Wong or Ms. Wong, have you told them about your desire not to have the deck? If he, I'm sorry, I don't. Have, have you and your neighbors discussed this at all? Uh, yes. Um, we uh, discussed it, and uh, they told him they're saying that the deck is not going to extend um, past my house, and they say they they are allowed to to build it, and therefore they want to go ahead and have a deck, and the deck is, does extend, and also the staircase to access the uh, deck is going to extend further out into the backyard. And when you go up the backyard, you look right into my uh, two bedrooms in the back of the house. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any further questions. You can be seated now. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the permit holders, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wong. Now? Right, 
Dear board members and audience, my name is Dana Wong. I'm the owner of 525 Hearst Avenue. So we propose a seven by 14 foot deck with a three foot staircase to the back of our house to allow for backyard access. It is approved by Department of Inspection on November 7, 2023, and Mr. DiStefano filed appeal on November 21, 2023. The board should deny this appeal as the, this permit was a properly issued. Our house is a detached single-family house, which is situated on a 30 feet by 112 feet and 6-inch lot. <clears throat> Planning code requires the minimum backyard depth should be equal to 30% of the total depth of the lot on which the building is situated. Our proposed new deck is small, uh, and it will leave more than 30% of the backyard depth. Planning also recommends at least three feet setbacks and encourage a five feet setbacks when the deck proposed starts encroaching on the neighboring properties, assisting enjoyment of lights and privacy. The proposed deck is about seven feet and nine inches setback from Mr. DiStefano's property line, which is about 10 feet and nine inches away from his house is about eight feet setback from the other side neighbor's property line, which is about 11 feet from the house as well. Therefore, the impact of the light and privacy of the adjoining neighbors by the proposed debt are very minimal. Furthermore, Mr. Desfeno's property is longer than our property in the back for about seven feet, and the proposed debt is also seven feet deep. So we won't be able to see Mr. Stefano's uh, bedroom windows from the proposed deck. So about the, um, the concrete retaining wall and the plumbing on the concrete floor, uh, we have put permits for the plumbing and the concrete retaining wall is not over 48 inch. So Mr. Desfeno, Stefano filed appeal three times, as I mentioned in the uh, brief, and also the inspector came and made comments on it three times and confirmed that we don't need permit on it. So, as my husband and I pledged to be complying neighbors and to be part of the community, we wish to solve this issue without attending the appeal. Um, we provide more details of our proposed deck plan to Mr. DiStefano by phone calls and text messages. Finally, we went over and discussed the proposed deck plan and the job site on December 8, 2023. So, um, but Mr. DiStefano uh, never mentioned she doesn't want us to uh, get rid of the deck, don't, don't build the deck at all. So after the meeting, he has no more questions for us, and we were hoping he would voluntarily withdraw the appeal. I have sent several text messages to follow up. However, Mr. DiStefano has no intention to withdraw the appeal, which is unreasonable. We propose a contemplated design project. It's consistent with the guideline for the DEC per planning code and residential design guidelines. And it respects 
<coughs> the adjunction properties of light and privacy. The appeal has affected us emotionally and financially. Accordingly, we respectfully request that the board deny this appeal. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we will now hear from the planning department. Good evening, President Lopez, Vice President Lemberg, members of the board, I'm Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Administrator. 525 Hearst Avenue is a two-story, single-family residence in the RH1 zoning district. Constructed in 1923, it is a potential historic resource. The scope of the permit is to construct a one-story deck and stairs at the rear of the property. The new deck is approximately 14 feet wide, seven feet deep, and seven feet, nine inches tall. The new st straight run stairs are three feet wide and are located on the western portion of the property. No neighborhood notification is required for the project and the permit was approved over the counter by planning staff on October 26, 2023. The appellant, Mr. Daniel Stefano, the owner of the Jason property to the east at 519 Hearst Avenue is concerned about one, work that's underway exceeding the scope of the permit, and two, the new deck is too tall, too large, and will impact his light and privacy to his property. Overhead, please. The graphic at the top is a sandboard map showing the subject property in blue and the appellant's property in red. The area photographed below also shows the view of the two properties from the back. Here's a site plan of the existing condition and a site plan of the proposed condition. This is where the new stairs will be and the new deck. On the site plan is a line that denotes the 30% rear yard line. This shows you how much the property can build up to under the planning code. Here's a zoomed in view of the new deck. As mentioned, the deck will be 14 feet wide by seven feet deep. Given the lot of the property, um, of 30 feet, the new deck will be set back approximately eight feet from the side property line and 11 feet from the Pellens building. This proposed side setback um, is very generous as no setback is required in this district. As you heard from the project sponsor and, is, and seen in the photographs, the Pellens building extends further into the rear than the subject building, subject property and neighbor, thereby the new deck will be minimally visible from the appellant's rear windows. Lastly, the concrete work on the ground floor does not trigger planning review. Department finds the proposed deck and stairs to be compliant with the planning code, consistent with the residential design guidelines, and recommends that the board deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued. That concludes my presentation and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Swig. Uh, just to be redundant, um, so in, in 
looking at that plan, they could have they, they, they could have made this deck a, a lot larger, and they in fact could bulk out their house a lot further. But they, in, in my view, it seems to be a conservative, very conservative addition to their their house. Would that be a fair characterization? I believe so. I mean, it's a deck, it's one story, it's not a building, it's not a structure, which would be um, certainly permissible in this area. Um, a lot more could be permissible in this area. Right, and in fact, they could build out the back of their house wider and larger if they they wanted and occupy more space in their, their lot. Okay. That's correct. Uh, so, so in your view, just to confirm, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this uh, it's, it's compliant, it's legal, they've, they've abided by, in fact, been more conservative by, about abiding by the, the terms and conditions and, and compliances uh, set forth by the planning department. That's correct. We routinely re reviewed and approved these decks over the counter, which much less suspect than this one. Okay. And, and just for convenience, so I don't have to push my button again, Mr. Birmingham, would, I'm, I'm going to ask the same questions of of you, would you please address that in your presentation? Or if you want me to, because we run out of time, I'll ask the same question again about compliance, about legality, about all the stuff. Okay, thanks, thanks very much. Uh, just after you're, you're done. I guess it's time for you anyway. Okay, thank you. I don't see further questions, so we will hear from DBI. Good evening, President Lopez and Vice President Lemberg. I'm Kevin Birmingham. I'm Acting Chief Inspector of DBI. And uh, to your question, it's substantially smaller than it could be allowed to be. And then as far as the lower patio area, we consider that landscaping. It does not require a permit. It's less than four foot from the top of the retaining wall to the bottom of the footing. They did get a plumbing permit for the concrete work because it was over 200 square feet and it was checked out by plumbing and passed. Um, I'm not sure what else I can add. It's a pretty straightforward permit. I would say uphold the permit and deny the appeal. Thank you. We have a question from President Lopez. Thank you, Mr. Birmingham. Um, I think you've, you've spoken to the, the points or allegations about uh, work ex exceeding the, the scope of, of permits. Yeah. But just for, for everybody's information, um, obviously your, your comments are, you know, as of the latest information we have about the project, which is, you know, still underway, um, if, if there were, you know, further uh, concerns about work exceeding permits going forward, what would be the proper channel for uh, neighbors such as the appellant to voice those concerns? Yeah, he could definitely file another complaint. He had, there was two complaints filed our, our inspectors went out, investigated both of them, and closed them. One was for exceeding or, you know, extending the rear building, which it turns out is just, you know, flat work patio landscaping, basically. And uh, the other one was for the height of the retaining wall. But if he feels something else is going on, he's more than free to file another complaint and will happily go out and investigate it. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Trisvina has a question. Uh, yes, yeah, just to follow up on that, I believe in Mr. DeStefano's uh, filing with us, he mentioned he had some questions to the department that were not answered. Are you aware of any of that or have any record of that one way or the other? Not as far as I know. I've, nothing came up with the people I discussed that went out there and did site inspections. They had no knowledge of any okay. concerns that had been raised. If they were, they were addressed through the complaint process 
maybe that's what he's discussing. And, and, and your answer to President Lopez about if he has further questions is he can use the complaint process. Oh, yeah. Is there any other process that can be used other than the complaint process? Um, well, I mean, he could do a uh, ask for the building inspector to stop by and discuss it with him and then, you know, a, a off-the-record type thing, you know, if, and I'm sure he could go next door and discuss it with the neighbor, and I'm sure the building inspector would also be happy to meet the three of them and discuss anything. Is there anything that the city does to promote that kind of discussion other than send people to the complaint process? Um, no, we do. We encourage them to reach out to their neighbors, and if they have a question, we're happy to go out and meet with them. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any further questions. You can be seated. Thank you. So we will now move on to public comment. Is there anyone here to provide public comment on this matter? Anyone on Zoom? Okay, I don't see any public comment, so we're going to move on to re rebuttal. Mr. J. Stefano, you have three minutes to address the board. Absolutely, please approach, and if, if you could just identify yourself for the record, please. My name is Maureen Sullivan. Okay. So with respect to how big it can be built, totally understood there is more leeway for them to build more than currently stands. Our concern is with what we're seeing as this extension on stairway, because clearly the deck just bumps up to like where our property ends, that that is what we see as the more intrusive part of this project. And it is also hard to understand what we were directed by the planning department that this type of backyard patio where the deck sits needed a permit because of the excavation. Wasn't the back wall, wasn't the retaining wall that was our concern. It was what all of this was being built on. So while the building department mentions that it's landscaping, from our perspective and what we were supported by in that perspective was that this was bigger than that and should have been permitted. So those are where I feel I just want to clarify what the issues are, what our concerns are. And um, the other element or aspect with respect to Danielle speaking to the building department and not being heard or um, understood, he asked simply many times about the floor, not the, not the back retaining wall, and it was constantly like, they're not doing an extension of the house. So it was just, if we could have had that clarified, or if Danielle could have had that clarified, then there wouldn't have been, I think, a lot of this back and forth, where we were getting one set of information and another set of information that we didn't feel was being clearly articulated. So I just wanted to respond to that as well. Okay, thank you. I don't see any, any questions, but if you could fill out a speaker card, ma'am, that would be great. Then I can make sure, Alec, can you, just so I can make sure we spell your name correctly for the minutes. Thank you. Okay, we will now hear from the permit holders. Ms. Wong, you have three minutes to address the board. Hi, um, Mr. Destefano, um, question about our patio floor more than our deck. I don't know. Uh, they have complained so many times, and the inspector came out and talked to him about it. And we also went to the job site and talked about it. So I also toured him around my house, not just the 
backyard that I, I tour him from my second, from the front door to second floor, walk around and go down to basement and then the patio. Then we talk about our plan. Okay. So for the reason for us to lower the portion of the backyard and build a retaining wall because we add uh, addition rooms in the basement. Our house is only have two bedrooms on upstairs. We need more rooms. So, and then the basement doesn't mean the ceiling high. So we have to lower the, uh, the floor. For that, following the basement floor, so we, the backyard is higher than the, the ground floor. So we have to dig the dirt up out from the backyard to avoid the water coming in. That's why we built the patio door, I mean the patio floor. At the beginning, we were not thinking to build the deck, okay. The reason we built it is for us to have backyard access. Even, I mean, during the construction, Mr. Destefano, he built a um, fence between our pathways. So our pathway is six feet wide. So he built right on it. When he asked us permission, I respect it, but I'm, I never think about he would build a fence between the pathway. So it caused a lot of trouble for us to paint the house doing constructions. And also, our side door to the backyard is on his side, on the pathway side. So we, it's, it's only have less than three feet space for us to get to the real yard. So there's another reason for us to build a deck to get access to the real yard. So yeah, I, I uh, just live respectfully and hopefully you guys will deny this appeal. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Nothing further. And how about DBI? Nothing further. So commissioners, this matter is submitted. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, why don't we start with uh, Commissioner Swig. Oops, sorry. Uh, I see nothing wrong with this project. I asked um, planning and DBI whether anything was wrong with it. In fact, everything is right with it, and well within uh, well within the boundaries of what could have could have been far more conservative than we what we normally see, which is people trying to exceed uh, uh, their opportunities. So I, I see nothing wrong. I, I make a motion to deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued. That's all. Thank you. Uh, do I have any other further <coughs> comments before we entertain the, the motion? Uh, Commissioner Trezvenia. Uh, thank you, President Lopez. I, I agree with Commissioner Swig, uh, but what I, I do see and what I will bring up when it comes time for our, our future budget requests is to see if there's a way either with us or with the planning department for there are greater ways for the public, neighbors, to be able to uh, have questions answered so that they don't have to come into the complaint process or the appeal process. I get from the paperwork from that the, that the DeStefano's presented that they had more questions than they did objections and that perhaps the questions could have been answered. I'm not gonna take sides as to what was said by the department or, or, what, or what questions were not answered, but I do sense that there is a way that greater communication can be enhanced so that we have fewer uh, fewer appeals that uh, right now the appeals are harm as, as Ms. Wong said, it provides tension and time and uh, worry to have this appeal out there. 
it's probably not pleasant for the for the uh, for the decephanos either. So I will look for that in in, in the future. But um, I do believe that for for the record presented, that the uh, the uh, permit was properly issued. Thank you for that, Commissioner Tresvigna. I think I also want to thank uh, the appellants for for raising uh, those those concerns and the, those issues. Um, also want to thank uh, Mr. Birmingham for. Uh, you know, outlining, uh, you know, how some of those issues may be navigated, you know, in the future of the project, which it looks like uh, will likely uh, continue, if I can guess as to uh, the direction we'll take. Um, if there are no further comments, I think we could move on to okay. the vote. So we have a motion from Commissioner Swig to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Vice President Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denied. We are now moving on to item number six. This is appeal number 23-053, Bushra Khan versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property, 218 Union Street. Appealing the issuance on November 2nd, 2023 to John Votruba of an alteration permit to comply with notice of violation number 2021, 81083 and planning enforcement case number 2021006592. Legalize the installation of privacy screens and seating on existing roof deck. Urban garden approved under separate permit per 2015-018220 certificate of appropriateness. This is permit number 2021092390006. And we'll hear from the appellant's attorney first. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Yes, my name is uh, George Benetatis, uh, Commissioner Lopez, uh, Vice President Lemberg, Commissioners, uh, Ms. Rosenberg, Ms. Huber. Uh, I'm representing uh, Bushra Khan, the appellant here. Uh, we're asking that the permit that was issued be rescinded basically for two reasons. The first one is that uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Votruba does not have any authority to appear before this board. He's not a property owner. He finally submitted a paper, it's an exhibit three to his um, uh, uh, opposition brief, uh, purportedly signed by his sons. That paper is defective and we respectfully ask this, um, the commissioners to reject it. First of all, it's not under penalty of perjury. That's required. Uh, we have an exhibit, um, it's exhibit H, and it is a form uh, where a person or an owner can authorize another agent to appear before this board and to make these appeals or otherwise appear before BDI. And uh, it states that um, the person authorizing the agent, that is the owner, has to sign it under penalty of perjury. The document we have from Mr. Votruba is simply a paper purportedly signed by his sons. And by the way, it's dated, I think, November the 23rd, which is about 21 or 22 months after Mr. Votruba was no longer a property owner. So apart from its lack of authenticity, its failure to be um, in compliance with the requirement be under penalty of perjury, it's also outdated. Um, Mr. Votruba produced no other evidence that could have been produced to show that the owners uh, authorized him. There's a procedure set forth in the tenancy and common agreement that governs the whole property which would have required 14 days notice and so forth. I think that's all in our brief and explained. Bottom line is we respectfully ask the commission to reject this or rescind this permit 
First, on the ground that the person applying for the permit, permit has no authority and has not shown that he has authority from the um, owners of the property who are his sons. That's the simple issue, the first issue. If the board, or excuse me, if the commission uh, decides on that basis, we're done. But beyond that, <clears throat> this is a 13-year effort by the Votrubas to close the windows, to block the windows of uh, Ms. Khan. Uh, we've outlined in some detail the history of this effort. Um, and I would just like to quote from a couple of lines in Mr. Votruba's brief that uh, illustrates the, um, shall we say, personal nature of the Votrubas in pursuing this, this uh, fixture on the property here. I'm referring to, in their brief, <clears throat> At page four, this is how they characterize Ms. Khan, and this is what's been going on for 14 years. I'm looking at page four, line 24. This is under the headline, Misuse of Appellant by, of Her AB00 line, Lot Line Windows. By the way, this is a 10-page brief. The last, the, the last six pages are devoted to something that's entirely irrelevant. They continue, the Votrubas, to manifest their anger and their effort to cause Ms. Khan to remove her windows. Six pages devoted to something entirely irrelevant. It's a mania. This is what Mr. Votruba wrote, or just characterized uh, Ms. Khan. When appellant, Ms. Khan, feels angry or annoyed, she heckles, stops, stomps, taps, and points to attract users of the deck to look into her windows and then uses wide-angle surveillance cameras as well as her cell phone to take pictures of them. Now look, this is obviously something that doesn't come up before a commission like this very often. But the relevance of this is to show that the real purpose of what the Vutrubas want to have installed on their roof has nothing to do with privacy. There is no privacy from the Ms. Khan's deck, you can see everything. From all the houses in the neighborhood, you can see everything. It's a device. Another quote. This is something almost, well, let's not say it's puzzling. A quote from an event that occurred in 2015, or a purported event. I'm quoting from page five at line one. On February 15th, 2015, she, that is Ms. Khan, situated a guest, Clinton Choi, standing at her north corner window with arms folded and staring angrily while appellant tapped on another window. On this occasion and others, she turned this into a criminal complaint against a deck user. There was no criminal complaint. There was a restraining order that uh, Judge Crompton issued in 2015. It was renewed in 2017. And it was renewed again four days ago. I have a copy of it. There's a continuing restraining order on Mrs. Votruba for harassing behavior. The criminal proceeding that's referred to occurred a year later when Mrs. Votruba violated that restraining order, partly by pointing her cameras and partly by, again, trying to obstruct the windows. So by their own language illustrated from their own brief, from Mr. Votruba's brief, 
uh, we're asking this commission to find that the real purpose of this structure has nothing to do with privacy or the convenience of anyone. A final comment. <clears throat> this is not a trellis. A trellis is a device where you hang plants on and so on and so forth. I believe the commission has seen the pictures. It's a very large structure. It's a big bench with uh, coverings over the head and so forth. It was a misrepresentation to present this as a just a simple 30 seconds. Um, final remark then, um, member commissioners. We believe that uh, this, Mrs. Votruba and Mr. Votruba are using this device to carry out something that they've been unable to do for 13 years through the courts and through various city agencies. We respectfully ask that this commission uh, rescind the permit Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We do have a question from Vice President Lemberg. Thank you, Mr. Benetados. I, I have a couple of questions. Uh, number one, uh, the the first basis on on which you've argued your appeal is based on, which is the authority from the owners. Do you have a legal citation that uh, shows that a, a planning application needs to be under signed under penalty of perjury? I have. I this? have. Yes, I do. I have. Um, just a moment. I have the, this is the property, may I use the um, device here? Overhead, please. The overhead. The first page I'll just show you is the property owner's package. That's the title of the document. Can you help him zoom out, please? This is a, uh, enlarge it, I mean, show the whole document. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. This is the document that was available to Mr. Votruba. And let me show the second page, which answers the question about what authority there is that it requires a declaration under penalty of perjury. It says, it says at the bottom, there's a space for an authorizing agent. Uh, authorization of agent to act on property owner's behalf. And it, ask for various information and so forth. And at the bottom it says, the person signing this, the owner signing the authority, states as follows. I declare under penalty of perjury that I am the property owner for the address label above and so forth. I, I, I see that, but what that isn't to me is a legal citation. Um, a legal citation is a, a, a code section that says this must be done under penalty of perjury or else it is not valid. Well, it's a requirement of the commission, of the, um, it's a requirement of, of the, uh, Overhead again. It's, a, it's a BDI requirement, Department of Building Inspection requirement. It also requires that, it also says only an owner or an authorized agent can appear before this board or appear before or apply for a permit. It's their own requirement, and we ask that this commission enforce that. Now, I don't know if there's a specific civil code section that deals with this. I kind of doubt that. It's a local matter. But it seems to me that if the Department of Building Inspection requires this and says only an owner or authorized agent can apply for a permit, we'd ask this commission to enforce that. I, I just want to kind of call the difference between a, 
the inclusion of a penalty under per, by perjury statement and the requirement of a penalty under penalty of perjury statement, which are not one and the same. And I know as a practicing attorney that not every uh, inclusion of a, a perjury statement is actually necessary. Um, so that's why I asked the question I did. May I respond? Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, if you don't have a have an owner sign under penalty of perjury that he's authorizing Mr. A or Mr. B or Ms. C or Ms. D, then you have no way of knowing or enforcing the requirement of the Department of Building Inspection that only an owner or authorized agent can apply. They haven't complied with this. We're asking that that be enforced. I'll submit that on that basis. Okay, my next question is unrelated to that, and that is, um, you know, there's, there, I'll, I'll say what's obvious, which is that there's quite a, quite a history between uh, the appellants and uh, permit holders in this case. Um, we, you know, we certainly do not have jurisdiction to decide those issues between uh, the, these, you know, several years, decade or more of issues that have arisen between these parties. Um, what's before us tonight is the permit, the specific permit that's being appealed. Um, and so my question is regarding this permit, um, on what grounds are on what grounds are, are you seeking to actually, uh, apart from the, uh, the uh, uh, purported lack of authority uh, of ownership, what is, what is the grounds to overturn this, this permit? We're asking the commission to make a finding that the purpose of this device uh, is, uh, uh, that the use of this device or the application of this device is a nuisance. And the nuisance is defined as follows. It's in our case that we cited. It states as follows. Even if a lawful use of one's property, may, e even a lawful use of one's property may constitute a nuisance if it is part of a general scheme to annoy a neighbor and if the main purpose of the use is to prevent the neighbor from reasonable enjoyment of his property. Even though the fence, the case involved the spite fence, had not been 10 feet high, still it was a nuisance if it was constructed with malicious intent. Let me repeat that. If it was constructed with malicious intent, interfered with plaintiff's full enjoyment of their home, and if its usefulness to defend it was subordinate and incidental. Of course, we're not asking this commission to make a decision about what's been going on for 13 years. However, we presented the evidence to show over the 13 years that the motive, the construction of this item was not just for the privacy reasons which don't exist, but it's part of what's been going on for years. And we ask that you find that the main purpose of this was to prevent Ms. Khan from uh, uh, reasonable enjoyment of her property and it has no other purpose. I'm, I'm gonna ask this as a question because I'm pretty sure you know the answer. What governmental entity is, uh, is empowered with making written findings for, uh, based on civil code sections? <laughs> well, obviously courts are empowered to that. We're asking this commission though to follow the law and apply the same law. I don't think that's without the powers of this commission. I think this commission can make that and that's why we made these citations. Uh, obviously it's not a court here, we know that, but look, This is an unusual case, obviously. We don't want to litigate and bring in all the stuff that's been going on 
However, it is relevant because it explains what's, what the purpose of this item is. And we ask on these two grounds that the commission rescind the permit. There's no authority based on the BDI's, or DBI's uh, requirements. And this, in fact, is a nuisance for the reasons stated. I, okay, I, I'll ask one more question, which is, are there any other grounds other than those two? I, I do understand that this, you know, that a record needs to be made for uh, exhausting administrative remedies, but uh, is, are there any other grounds other than those Those two? are the two grounds. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Trezvina. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you. Uh, my purpose of asking these questions is to give you another chance on the question of are there any other grounds. On the first part of what you described, you state that the permit application is defective. Correct? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. You're, you're, you are saying that the permit application was defective. Is, it, is that because the, something was signed under penalty of perjury or that that part was not signed that you showed? The, it's defective because the permit applicant has no authority to apply for a permit. He's neither an owner or an authorized agent. So okay. for that reason, the permit should be rescinded. Okay. And the only evidence that he's authorized is a document that we respectfully contend uh, cannot be, uh, 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 can, should be stricken and ignored by this because it does not comply with the requirements of the Department of Building Inspection for authorizing someone, an owner, to authorize someone else. Do you, Otherwise... No, I, I, I understand that part. Do you, do you have any evidence one way or the other that the true owner does or does not want this construction done? The true owners have never communicated with me. The true owners uh, okay. don't live in California. Okay, you've answered my question. No. So, so okay. sec second part on the, um, on the issue of the, and I think you, you've already, uh, you've answered Vice President Lindbergh's question about, you're asking us to make the determination or at least discuss and consider whether this is a nuisance or not. We're asking you to deny the permit, excuse me, to rescind the permit because it is a nuisance. Right. And it has, serves no, no basis other than to uh, annoy and harass and demoralize uh, uh, Ms. Khan. And can, uh, you, can you describe the interest, whether it's a property interest, a financial interest, or what, what, is the, what is being, for the record, what is Ms. Khan being deprived of with the construction of this mm -hmm. as it is described in the permit, this trellis? She's, been not, she's being deprived of the use and enjoyment of her property in that this, this device blocks the view from her window uh, and is an unattractive device, and when the original restraining order was issued back in 2015 and included instructions, uh, included in the order, which is one of our exhibits, that, uh, the Votruba, that Mrs. Votruba was directed against her not block the windows. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. No further questions. You can be seated. We will now hear from the permit holder, and Mr. Votruba is on Zoom. Can you unmute yourself, Mr. Vitruba? I can't. 
you're you're muted right now. Okay, you did unmute yourself. Welcome. Okay, I think. Yeah, thank I can you. hear you. You have seven minutes. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, good evening, President Lopez uh, and Vice President uh, Lumberg and Ms. Rosenberg and Commissioners. Uh, I want to start with the administrative certificate of appropriateness uh, to begin with. I just simply want, I'm not going to repeat what's in that. Uh, it's been over two years in the planning department. They've worked very hard and helpfully, uh, particularly Ms. Kelly Wong, in getting it through. And also, uh, the plans that were submitted as number two uh, with the trellis were also uh, signed off by the various departments and speak uh, that speak for themselves. Uh, both both permits uh, really speak for themselves. So, and then a job card was issued on November second, uh, two thousand twenty-three. Now, to the uh, issue of authority, I've asked Mr. Benetatis a number of times to read the TIC uh, agreement, which dis which describes in section eight and section two what how uh, members of the uh, uh, management team are, are selected or and uh, what it what it states is that uh, that over you need the majority of 67% of the uh, holders of the tenancy and common interest to uh, um, be in excess of that that is in order to become and um, a management team. Now, there's nothing in the code, and he brought this up in his brief, to say that, uh, in the, excuse me, the agreement, that uh, suggests that a non-owner is prevented from being a part of the management team, or for that matter, if the owners so choose from preventing the owners from hiring an outside management company. So, uh, what I am saying here also is that, well, let me just start by saying that the, or continue, uh, that I was an owner at the time of applying for this permit. Seems to have been forgotten by Mr. Benetovich. The uh, I did then gift my 50% interest in the, in the uh, about two years ago, or a year and a half ago to my two sons who live in different places. And there's and they are not able to manage their own apartments because one's living in France and the other one's in Colorado. So I've been handling that for them. And the document that I have at number, uh, uh, number uh, excuse me, exhibit three is absolutely accurate. There, this business about filing under perjury, there's no such requirement in the TIC agreement for that. Or uh, So certainly and in the building department or the plans I uh, signed, I would certainly be happy to file it under perjury. <clears throat> but I see no, uh, no, no, I was not under the impression that any such thing was necessary. So, and then also this business about being a spite wall, um, Mr. Benedatis uh, will say, it seems to know what Ms. Kahn, uh, that it harasses and demoralizes Ms. Kahn, the number of words he uses, 
all are made up in his own view without hearing. So I, I can't tell you that this is anything true. But I, I do have to say that a lot of this uh, past history is really a matter of real property. We have the, the entire lot line windows by Ms. Kong, which overview our, our deck, have been, are totally encroaching in our lawn. So first of all, those windows are over our property line, but five inches as opposed by the, uh, as opposed, as, as, excuse me, supported by a survey that we have presented, and it's also in our exhibit. <clears throat> The, this business about it being a spite wall is ridiculous. There is, this is no spite wall, nor was there ever any intent to be a spite wall as it's set up. And as, and again, this is a civil code matter, not really something I'm sure you guys want to deal with in the, on, the, on the board. <clears throat> so, but that's, that's part of the problem. And then the windows, in addition, were marked out completely in the original building plans. I'm talking about the entire line of windows that Ms. Khan is looking through and complaining about. They are, in the original building plans, they were marked out and deleted by, in the official plans, which are in the building department records. Next, the windows showed up in there without a permit. They are protected, but no permit. And then they, uh, Ms. Khan arrived on the scene and she uh, arrived, uh, she seemed to be able to get a permit on these windows. Nonetheless, even though that she didn't comply with AB009, which is the applicable uh, fire code related uh, document, that she must comply with in order to get it. And one of, the, one of the, there were at least three that she didn't comply with, but the one that's the most important is that she didn't get a, a uh, consent, a written consent from us. So that, uh, and, and in addition to that, they were, uh, the, the wall that was, the <laughs> being over the line, the whole thing should never have been should never have been uh, accepted for, for uh, a permit. So, and, and then we wouldn't even have these last 10 years of or so of problems between Thank the neighbor that, and the building department. That's time. Thank you. Mr. Vertruber, you'll have time in rebuttal. We do have a question. Okay, we do have Sorry, a question I from. I missed that. Yeah. Okay. So, we have a question from Commissioner Trisvenia for you. Yes. Uh, thank you for your for your testimony. I have just a couple of questions. Uh, can you tell me how how long have you lived at this uh, at this location? Since two thousand two, about twenty years. So about 20, twenty-two 20 years. years, right? Twenty-two years. And the issue of uh, Ms. Ms. Khan's uh, windows encroaching uh, that you described. Did you pursue any any legal action as to those windows? Well, what happened was that uh, the last 
hearing I had was because we didn't get any notice from the planning department at that time about the uh, the uh, the permit being authorized and the HPC hearing made. There was no notice from that either at that time. We were left with filing a jurisdictional request with uh, with the board at that time. And the board, despite all the issues I've just mentioned about no notice and the like, decided that they couldn't find anything wrong. So that's where I was left at that point. Okay. So so so, so then you you did file legal action and it was ruled against yes. against you. It, you. That's right. At that level, it's sort of an administrative level, but it's never. But there have been no uh, deliberations or assessments or or uh, regarding the issue on the, on these windows. Okay, and on, on the, the trellis that you're, that the subject of this yes. hearing, uh, what is its purpose? Well, the purpose is a, is a, a seating area uh, for privacy uh, so that uh, people can use, the, use this area so that they don't feel imposed upon by Miss Khan's multi-cameras on a 24-hour basis. And it also provides a little bit of protection from her on, her, on her side. But the reason is to make a, a nice, comfortable setting for our tenants who live, who are in the building. And, and do you live there? Well, I do. Uh, I, well, I live, I have, I live in Santa Rosa is my main address, but I, spend about uh, half a year down there at 107 myself. So, so you've taken the effort to build this wall for the benefit of the tenants so they can sit out on the deck without pr presumably anybody watching them. That, is that That's right. Okay, uh, great. That, that's, that helps me very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I don't see any further questions, so we'll hear from the planning department. Tina Tam for the planning department again. 218 Union Street is a four-story, seven-unit apartment building in the RH3 zoning district. Located within the Telegraph Hill Landmark District, the property is a known historic resource. The scope of the permit is to legalize a rooftop trellis structure constructed without the benefit of a permit. A notice of violation was issued to the property owner, and in late 2021, the owner filed a corrective permit along with an administrative certificate of appropriateness. The certificate of appropriateness, or CFA, is required um, for the project because it's located within a landmark district. On August 23, 2023, preservation staff and code enforcement manager Kelly Wong issued the admin CFA, finding the proposed trellis to be compliant with the secretaries of the interior standards, which are preservation standards, and the design conforms with the architectural character of the landmark district. No appeal or request for hearing was filed for this admin CFA. On November 1st, 2023, after the enforcement fee was paid, planning staff signed off on this permit. The appellant is Dr. Bushra Khan, one of the adjacent owners to the west of 280 Union Street. Dr. Khan believes the trellis structure is not a privacy screen, but rather a spite wall. 
Due to the location and design, Dr. Khan believes that the new trellis structure will negatively impact what I believe or appears to be views from the property line windows. To describe the project and the context, I'm gonna go ahead and share some graphics. So overhead, please. The graphic at the top is the sand map. Overhead. The subject property is shown in blue, and the appellant's property is shown in red. Below is an aerial photograph showing both the subject and the appellant's property. And in this photograph, you'll see the 10 property line windows. There are four here, two here, and five here. The location of the trellis structure is right here. As you heard from Mr. Fatruba, these property line windows were not part of the original plan set that was approved for the appellant's property in 1986. So it's super not unclear as to when those windows were first installed. However, in 2010, in response to the complaints filed on the property about these windows, Dr. Khan did obtain a corrective permit from DBI to legalize these windows. The next graphic shows the proposed trellis structure in yellow. It measures approximately seven feet, four inches in width and seven feet, six inches in height. The structure is set back approximately five feet from the west side property line slash appellant's property line windows. The material of the structure is wood, which is appropriate and compatible with the landmark district. While the department acknowledges there will be a change to what the appellants will see from her property line windows, the planning code does not protect private views, especially those from property line windows. Dr. Khan's property line windows will remain functioning as windows, it will continue to bring light into her dining room. It's important to note that there are other windows um, that faces onto the rear on Dr. Khan's living room that will bring in light to that space. Given the design, the location, and the size of the proposed trellis, the department finds it to be compliant with the planning code and conforms to the residential design guidelines and the secretaries of the interior standards. As for the applicant matter, the planning department does not conduct research or need to verify the ownership of the property before reviewing and signing off on the permit. As such, the department recommends the board deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued. That concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Swig. Okay. Uh, I want to get us back on track and out of the civil world and into the property world, into the compliant world. Um, the, 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 what we've heard so far is you didn't sign this paper, you didn't have that right, and these are all, this, is, this is all civil matters from your from planning's point of view, right? You don't deal with this stuff. N not entirely. I'm just speaking on behalf of the planning department. Yeah. The building department may have other requirements when they process a permit that re may require them to check on the ownership of the property. Okay. Mr. Birmingham, you'll address that, I'm sure. Um, so let's talk about property line windows. I've sat on this commission for a long time and dealt with more property line windows 
dealt with a lot of property line windows, and I've seen, uh, and, and it, would you confirm my view that property line windows, if you put in a property line window, you're living dangerously because that, those property line windows really could be covered up by your next door neighbor for a variety of, of reasons. I look at this one and the, the could you put that, uh, that photo up that showed the, the actual photo that showed the, 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 the buildings? So when I look at these property line windows, um, if, if, let's say, the next door neighbor wanted to raise the, if it were legal, and with, with uh, height limitations and other factors, wanted to expand their building and cover those property line windows, could they not cover those property line windows? Because they're property line windows, right? That's, that's my understanding as well. I mean, provided that the proposed expansion and vertical addition that will result in covering the windows are co-complying. Exactly. If everything is co-compliant, mm -hmm. everything is according to, to code, everything is, is building heights, everything is bulletproof, uh, it's, it's tough luck if you have property line windows and you live next door. Is, is that correct? Or am I, I believe so, but I'm not, the, I'm not the expert in yeah. AB, which is an administrative bulletin 009. That's actually out of the Department of Building Inspection. Yeah. But I do see Ms. that... Birmingham, you can address that again. I do time. see that Dr. Khan did sign off on the AB009 attachments, acknowledging yeah. um, the limitations of these windows. Right. So in, in, in fact, uh, if Mr. Butru, but I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, sir, uh, wanted, to, wanted to build a wall uh, or wanted to raise the height of his building, those property line windows that are, are, are being protected, whether they are in the, over the property line or not, uh, as claimed, there's no protection really for those those windows, especially since they weren't a part of uh, the original plan. Would that be uh, the wrong direction or? Uh well, we do review for that and we review for p potential impacts. And in this case, we I'm not sure whether we recommended the five foot setback or encouraged it, or mm -hmm. it was certainly something that we certainly support um, as part of the project. Mm -hmm. Does it require the five feet? Not technically but we certainly uh, think it's a good idea to have a setback between the windows and the structure. Right, and so where I'm going with this is that if you have property line windows, regardless of whether this, this building in this case or any other building, if you have property line windows, those are, you, you, you live dangerously uh, if you think that they, uh, the, they will never be obstructed by something, by your next door neighbor if there's a possibility of, of building something on the roof like a deck, po the possibility of expanding the height of the building, property line windows are not protected. Is that true? Uh, yes, but I'm gonna let Dr. Uh, Mr. Birmingham confirm that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Follow-up question. So, in consideration not only of that which Mr. Birmingham will address, but in consideration of, of that situation, um, it, it, the way that this, tre uh, the, the trellis was originally installed illegally, correct? Okay, you know, uh, install first, pray for forgiveness later. Um, that, that was unfortunate, that probably just threw um, uh, gasoline on what was already a fire. Um, but if, if, if uh, Mr. Vitruba would have gone through the proper channels, filed for a permit, build the same trellis, uh, then it would, in your view, have been 
uh, totally and completely legal based on uh, based on on what has happened, which is when he did pray for forgiveness, he got approval from the planning department. Yeah, ideally people should file a permit first yeah, before yeah, building, that. but that sometimes doesn't happen. Yeah, but if we he, did, if we he did, been, if he we did have been. an enforcement case open. We right. did assess for time and material. Right. Mr. Fatuba did pay for our time and material spent in helping him come into compliance with the code. Um, yeah, that was what, a I'm cost. Getting at, what I'm getting at is all that. If Mr. Fatuba would have uh, uh, gone by, originally by the the law of the land, which is don't build it until you get a permit, and he would have filed for a permit exactly for what he, what he ended up building, he, he probably would have gotten that permit for exactly what he ended up building. Is that correct? I believe so. I mean, we don't have any different rules and standards right. if, if you have a permit first versus a permit later. Right. It's the same rules. We're going right. to apply the same standards, so it is design guidelines. It is compliant had mm -hmm. it been done. Uh, originally right. legally, which is too bad because we probably wouldn't be here if it would have been done that way. Or we may have been no, here because I they're, they're, would be. they're, they're, this, by the way, you guys set the rule, the record for me as far as sitting as a, as a member of the Board of Appeals. I've never sat with uh, two restraining orders in the, in the same case. First time you guys win, I'm not, and that is not a compliment, by the way. Um, but I just wanted to clarify that this, this is a compliance structure. Had it been done originally, it would have been a compliance structure. Uh, it's in front of a, a, a property line window that has limited rights, if any, in the first place. That's correct. Is that true? Yeah, we went through the proper process, though out of order, um, yeah. and it complied with all the standards and requirement. He worked with our, our staff member, our preservation staff member, made some adjustments. Um, and um, here we are. Yeah, and, and with regard to the other administrative details, uh, Mr. Birmingham, you can chat about those. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from DBI. Good, good evening again. Um, on the first point, as far as the signatures and the approved signatures, this is done by CPB, the Central Permit Bureau. We do not require a notary public on this piece of paper. We take it at face value. We would take the applicant's um, driver's license, take a photocopy of that, and put that in the record with it as being the person who was authorized to pull these permits. As far as we're concerned, they were pulled properly. Um, so, But I did talk to CPB, and they said if they want to submit a new affidavit, they're happy to take it and update the, the file. As far as the property line windows, the AB009, you're correct. They are not protected, and actually, if they were to decide to build a structure there, the, they would have to close those windows at their expense, and it's part of the agreement of the 009. They were never approved. They were legalized later, and that is part of the legalization, basically. Any questions? Thank you. Question from Commissioner Swick. Uh, so, in fact, the, the whole concept, I forget what the, the word was, but, a sp oh, spite. Spite wall. So, so the, the whole issue about a spite, it, sure, it could have been built, built for spite. Who cares? It's still legal. Yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, what's legal is legal. What's compliant is compliant, which you can get a legal permit yeah. for as long as it is, is done, set back nicely, and, and in this case, politely, 
Yes. Because it could have been right against right up against the wall. He did the wall come and, and block the property line window because the property line window has no rights. Yeah, correct. That's correct. So the whole concept of a spite window is kind of uh, yeah, that's subjective. Not, I guess it's it subjective, and you know, uh, I like pepper, you like salt, yeah. and so we disagree. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you. I don't see any further questions. Thank so you. You can be seated. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone in the room here who would like to provide public comment on this item? And if you could, after you're done speaking, if you could fill out a speaker card, that would help okay. us with the minutes. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. My name is Richard Green. I live in London, but I'm a, a frequent visitor. Sir, can you speak into the microphone? We can't hear you. Hello there. I'm, I'm from London. I'm a frequent visitor to Dr. Khan. Um, I've come to support Dr. Khan because she wants to be able to live safely and peacefully in her property. The safety part has hopefully been resolved by a restraining order, which has again been renewed um, by Superior Court a few days ago. Now we have to deal with the peaceful part. I mean, how can Dr. Khan live peacefully when she's presented with this construction, she walks into her living room every day? You know, I mean, it's, it's so obvious, you know. I mean, the sole purpose of this illegal construction on the common area upper deck is purely to block Mr. Khan's windows, which the Vitruvians have been tempted to do for the last 10 years, even though they're not the sole owners of the property. If, the, the, the issuance of this permit not even supported by all the owners anyway. There's also a bit of lack of clarity of the, of, of the permit. Is it a trellis? Is it a cabana? I mean, what is it? You know, I mean, it, it, it seems a ridiculous thing to call it a trellis. I mean, the structure was, was usually was built in the usual Vitruvian way of, of, of doing the work and then afterwards, um, you know, without, without, without a permit and afterwards, unless it's a complaint to get it authorised. <coughs> the Vitruvian saying this, this structure is a windbreak. Windbreak from what direction? It's against the windows. The 280 union deck is overlooked, and so is their deck. So privacy is not an issue, OK? Also, it goes against the guidance in the planning code and residential design leaflet. It says in there, the granting of an ACOA and permit is problematic and falls to meet the planning's own guidelines. In the document, it states that all efforts should be made to minimise potential adverse effects on the building design, Privacy, light, noise, and safety. And it should also take in quality of life impacts, such as visual clutter, neighbors, sight lines, and light shadow aspects, etc. None of that criteria was applied to this, this um, construction. There's also was a complete lack of transparency. 30 seconds. Okay. Um, the Vesuvians are also using this permit as financial gain. They recently sent. Dr. Khan in 2003, a demand for $2 million to replace, to have that removed. So the whole, so the whole purpose is, is basically to either obtain money or to, to deliberately block Dr. Khan's view. And even the restraining order said that those, that object should not be there. Thank you, that's time. Thank you. And again, 
Al, do you want to give him a speaker card? Sure. Okay, is there any further public comment for this item? Anyone in the room? Anybody on Zoom? Okay, I don't see any further public comments, so we'll move on to rebuttal. Mr. Benetados, you have three minutes to address the board. I'll address two things. Number one, Mr. Votrubo admitted that the purpose of this is to provide seating. You can provide seating without blocking the windows. That's the first point. Number two, I want to address the very valid points, obviously, that commissioners, I'm sorry, Swig, I'm sorry, <laughs> couldn't read without these, with these glasses, addressed regarding uh, when you have lot line windows, you take your chances. If I may, the overhead. Overhead. This is an exhibit from 2015. This is how the Votrubas behaved for several years before Mrs. Ms. Khan was able to get her um, restraining order. And you can see, obviously, lot line windows do have some rights. And obviously, the court found they don't have a right to block windows like this. The current the members of the commissioners have seen the current uh, uh, cabana and so forth, and it's hard to make a distinction between one or the other, except that you don't have the offensive signs there. The main point I want to make is that we're asking this commission to find, in making this decision whether or not to revoke this permit, what is the purpose of this? If it's just to provide seating, they don't need this huge structure that can block the windows. There's plenty of room to provide seating. If the purpose is privacy, it doesn't exist because all over the neighborhood, one sees directly on there and several feet above these windows in the roof deck of Ms. Khan, everything is visible. The real purpose is in effect to demoralize and perpetuate their, uh, the Rotruba's efforts to get these windows blocked. Those, that permit was issued in 2010. Uh, it was challenged again, excuse me, 2011. It was challenged numerous times by the Votrubas. Each time it was denied their, their challenges. They persist in trying to uh, get these uh, removed. The recently with a, a, a um, adult restraining order where they asked the court to, to block these windows. It's all, all related to that. And finally, Mr. Votruba spent more than half his time talking about the lot line windows. The point of that, the relevance of that is that that is the real purpose for this structure, to find some way, if you can't do it in court, you can't do it before these bodies, to block those windows. So we respectfully ask this commission to deny this, or to revoke this permit by finding that, first of all, it did not comply, there's no penalty of perjury, there's, which is a requirement of inspection. And second, that this is constructed solely to harass and demoralize uh, Ms. Khan. Submitted. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Swig, then Commissioner Trezvina. Counselor, let's do an exercise, please, um, because I don't want to get in an argument with you um, because it's not, it's not my role, and I don't think I'm, I'm competent to do that. Uh, but what I'd like to ask you, please, would you, would you let's jointly ask a question about two um, planning department and DBI, because I, I kind of get gray area on who has which jur jurisdiction, um, about what does it, uh, what is appropriate or what is not appropriate for uh, Mr. Vituba to put out on his deck. I, I asked 
and you heard me, unless you weren't listening to me, which is okay, nobody else does, uh, uh, was, was that trellis, was that uh, trellis, even though it was done illegally the first time, that's too bad, that, I'm, I always get upset about that. Uh, but uh, now that it's legal, uh, does it matter what is really out there does it matter whether it's really out there if it is code compliant? Um, you, you question, uh, well, uh, it doesn't block wind, it doesn't do anything. Let's look at it, can we look at it, let's ask them about together, if, if it's okay with you. If that, if that tre trellis was looked at as a piece of sculpture, w would it be compliant based on that? Not, I don't want you to answer it, I just, Want, I, I want to understand that I don't agree with you, but I want to ask the experts together. Would you mind asking the experts together when they come up uh, for their, uh, their, their, their time after you come? It, would that be the fair question to ask them? It what should be put out there? What is appropriate? What isn't appropriate? Doesn't matter, could it be a, a good, what's not appropriate? and why isn't a trellis appropriate, even if it serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever in your view? Is that an okay question? Of course it's an okay question. Okay, thank you. Mr. Okay. Am I permitted further comment or? or no, 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 because we're gonna ask okay. the question. That was, I just was asking your permission and getting clarity on that question. Yes, thank, thank you. you, thank I, you. I have, I have a que question uh, for you. The photograph that you put up with the signs of the posters? The first one? Yes. This one here? Can you put that back up? Overhead. Okay. Yes. Is that the same location as the proposed trellis? Exactly the same. And can you describe it? Can I describe the it? Record? Yes, this was an exhibit uh, to the petition for um, a restraining order against Teresa Votruba back in 2015. There were several other, a number of other photographs as well that were submitted, which are included in our um, appellate brief here, to illustrate that among the things that uh, Mrs. Votruba engaged in, in committing civil harassment, was to uh, uh, desecrate the windows with these signs, these warnings, these things that touched the window, blocked the window, or behind the window. They were all part of what was forbidden in the restraining order by Judge Crompton back in 2015, which remains in effect. My eyes aren't as good as they should be. Uh, I see a yellow and black sign that says caution, and another blue and white sign that says notice. Are these signs about construction or no, they were there to harass and demoralize uh, and intimidate Ms. Kant, and the court agreed. And it didn't matter whether they were touching the window or on Ms. Verterba's property. No, they some did touch the they window. They were considered, they were considered harassing rather than touching. There were structures and things touching the window. The signs were not exactly, some of them were not on the window, but they were deemed part of the civil harassment. Right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. No further questions. So we will now hear from the permit holder. Mr. Vodruba, you have three minutes. You're on mute. You're still muted. Let me see. All right. Yes, we okay. can hear you now. Thank you. Okay, the first thing I want to say is, Mr. 
Minotano's statement, he doesn't know one window from another. The uh, trellis was nowhere near that set of uh, uh, windows that he showed. It was completely on the other side of the, uh, on our roof deck. This is her bedroom window, which is, and with things, she, Ms. Kahn uses cameras that are uh, what we would call highly uh, uh, distorted to make things look like they're right on the window when in fact they're probably three feet off of it. And, then, and if there's any movement, it's because the wind blows it around. So, uh, and this is something that took place 10 years ago, nothing. And, that it, and so we're talking now about today and the trellis and the trellis in another part of the room, another part of the deck, uh, is there for a, for a valid purpose. So that's what, uh, and I, I will repeat that uh, whenever possible, that it's uh, designed for comfortable living for people and in privacy <clears throat> on, this, on this issue. So um, I, I urge the board to uh, ask us to, to, to proceed with this uh, permit and, uh, and move forward. So, and I thank you all very much for your attention on this matter. Thanks. Thank you. Commissioner Trisvini has a question. Thank you. I just have some brief, brief questions about those signs. So are those signs that you or a family member or somebody put up? Uh, well, I'm not sure about, I'm not, okay, what, what, what we say, one of them says no trespassing. And, and, and one of the reason that sign was there is because that's exactly what Ms. Khan does, is tres as authorizing trespassing by that fellow Mr. Green that was that was her surrogate roommate, or is her surrogate roommate, and the two of them together uh, trespass and damage our property, including our surveillance cameras. <clears throat> and it all said, and, and, don't plant, the other sign said, don't, no plant poisoning. She was seen, or Mr. Khan, excuse me, uh, Mr. Green was seen pouring liquid onto our plants below so as to poison them. So that's what those signs were. No trespass, no, no, and, and, and that's exactly what, I'm sorry, that took place. Did you, did you inform them of that message any other way? Well, in court, uh, we, we, I mean, whenever there was a hearing of any kind, we, we try to evidence that. What we really tried to evidence is- No, no, no. I'm, I'm not asking about evidence. I'm just asking you a question. Did you yes. inform them or warn them about not trespassing or not plant poisoning any other way than that? So yes or no uh, question? Well, we were we're not able to communicate with uh, with her because of the, the straining order. So the answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Anything further? DBI. Good evening again. I believe actually, if the picture that he showed, I don't know if he still has it was from the windows, the three windows at the front, because if you look at it, there's a wall perpendicular to those three windows. So that's not the location of where this trellis is going. 
So that was misappropriated. But in the administrative bulletin that they they had, you know, it says that um, in the event that adjoining property is improved in such a manner that the openings no longer comply with the provisions of the administrative bulletin, and there is a declaration they shall be submitted to the planning prior to the review, those windows will be closed and fire protected in place. So they, they you know, they, they have no obligation to keep those windows open or viewable. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions or, no. Okay, so commissioners, this matter is submitted. Or, I'm sorry, Commissioner Epler has a question. I was jumping into the queue. On oh, okay. The, yeah. uh, Commissioner Either. Epler. Thank you. Um, I, so I was quiet during questioning. Um, we are a tribunal of limited jurisdiction, and our jurisdiction is to evaluate whether or not the permit was properly issued or properly not issued, and that is within the guidelines of the codes around building and planning and those things in the San Francisco City Charter and the laws promulgated thereunder. There's a lot going on in this case. There are a lot of questions I have. They are not at all applicable to the thing that we're here to decide. I have a lot of opinions about this case, and I think I have some thoughts on it. But again, they are not at all applicable to the thing that we're here to decide. There were two arguments made about the validity of the permit. One was the authority of the permit. And these permits are amended all the time. And corrections are fixed all the time. They're fixed after the fact. They're amended after the fact. Even if we invalidated the permit, um, we now have a piece of paper saying that the person who filed the permit now has authority to act on behalf of the building. They could run down tomorrow and file the same permit. We're exactly in the same place. That does absolutely nothing to decide the matter before us here today. It's a no harm, no foul thing, even if it is a mistake. Not sure that it is or not, but even if it were, worst case, doesn't do anything. The second piece is nuisance. Nuisance gets to motive, it gets to intent. There's nothing about motive or intent within the laws about this permit that is before us here today. That may be unfortunate, maybe for us and the amount of work that it would take to actually come to a, a real conclusion about the real matters of the case, uh, maybe it is fortunate for us. Um, but with respect to the permit itself, there's not a place for understanding why it was done. It is just whether or not it fits within the guidelines of the code. So with that in mind, and not to jump on the comments of my other commissioners that want to get out there, I will go ahead and make the motion to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. Thank you, Commissioner Epler. I think we'll, before we entertain that motion, uh, we'll continue with uh, other commissioner comments and starting with Commissioner Swig. Um, I'm in support of the motion, um, and, but I have a couple comments. I love sitting on this commission. I love serving the people of San Francisco. It gives, gives me great pride. It, it is a great honor. Um, the only thing that really pisses me off is when people abuse each other as neighbors. I, it saddens me. It saddens me. Okay? I've given this lecture a bunch of times. How can you live next to each other? How do you live next to each other behaving this way? Sorry, I'm not a rabbi or a priest. But how do you do that? So please, guys. Make peace. All right, let's, let's start with make peace. All right. Um, Mr. Vitrubis, you broke the law. You know, you build a, you build a, 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 you, you, you a trellis without getting a permit. You threw 
kerosene on the fire. I'm sorry for that. You could have done it right, and he would have, uh, the next year, next door neighbor would have appealed. You would have appeared in front of us, except it wouldn't have been so nasty because we would have said, hey, you did everything right. But please don't break the law. And, and Dr. Khan, uh, you, you have a property line window. Look at the law. When you have a property line window, whether you did it legally or not, or whether you uh, adopted it when you moved into the property, you adopted a property line window. When you adopt a property line window, comes with it some stuff. And, and that stuff is somebody can do anything they want to in front of that property line window. Okay. Um, and it doesn't matter because there's a law about that. So you got it, and that's the way it is. Now, uh, Mr. Vitrubus, uh, aside from it doesn't matter whether he broke law now because he got it, he, he, he legalized it, but what M Mr. Vitrubus built is legal. It is, in fact, it could have been closer to your window. It's set back, it is a, is a trellis, it doesn't matter what the heck the purpose is for. He spent the money, he wanted to do it, it's his right, and he's within the law. Therefore, of course I'm in support of denying the appeal, because all the other stuff is between you guys. All the other stuff are civil matters. Go have at it, okay? For this jurisdiction, this group, Mr. Epler, is absolutely right. It's perfectly legal. So deny the appeal. Thank you, Vice President Lemberg. Thank you, um, I also support the motion and, and uh, ultimately my thoughts are very, very similar to what Commissioner Epler said. Um, and I, you know, I, as, in my roles as, as a human being and as a practicing attorney, I have a lot of opinions about uh, what's going on here between the parties, um, but I'm here in my role tonight as just a member of this board and we, um, as uh, my fellow commissioners have said, have very limited jurisdiction. Uh, we have very limited things that we can make decisions on. Um, and as far as I can tell, no, no legally valid reason to, uh, to grant the appeal was presented tonight. So for that reason alone, we have to deny the appeal. Commissioner Trezvinia. I, I don't disagree with my colleagues, but I do want to observe that it seems we're, we are being brought into a very long-standing, nasty dispute between two neighbors, and I'm not going to pick one side or the other. But uh, what, what, I, what I do here, I believe that, uh, that the appellants come out of this hearing with a tremendous amount of evidence to suggest to the, pro, uh, to the appropriate forum a campaign of harassment. I, I do not understand the, the basis, uh, and, and, and I, I echo to some extent Commissioner Swig's comments about how, how neighbors can do these things to, 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 to each other. Um, and, for, and for this purpose, I'm not going to distinguish between one neighbor, or one neighbor or the other, because we, don't, we, we have heard some of it, and we're not here to pick one side or the other. We are only here to decide about a permit. Uh, but I also wonder whether the department would approve a trellis that had anti-Semitic or anti-LGBT or offensive statements on it and say there's nothing that can be done. Or if they had, it, it had as part of the construction 
a depiction of a, uh, an offensive depiction of a body part. So there are some limits. And if there are not some limits, then that's something that should be addressed. Again, it may be addressed in, a, in, a, in another tribunal. It may be addressed elsewhere. Uh, but I think while it appears that we are not going to uh, over, overturn uh, the, the, this permit, uh, there's ample evidence uh, for, for uh, uh, Dr. Khan, Ms. Khan, to be able to, uh, to go forward uh, in, a, in a different tribunal to, uh, to uh, get some justice and, 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 and get this heard. So uh, I, I, uh, I agree with my colleagues. I want to thank my colleagues for their, their comments. I don't have much further to add. I uh, echo uh, many of those comments. Thanks again. And I, I am in, in alignment with uh, Commissioner Epler's motion. So with that. Okay. We have a motion from Commissioner Epler to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trezvina. Aye. Vice President Lemberg. Aye. Commissioner Swig. Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denied and uh, President Lopez has requested a five minute break. So thank Let, you. Why don't we make it 10? 10, okay. Yep. 10 minute break. So thank you for your patience for the people waiting. We'll come back in 10 minutes at 6.50. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Ready? Okay, welcome back to the regular meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. Today is January 31st, 2024, and we are on item number seven. This is appeal number 23-068, Ed Van Roden versus Department of Building Inspection, uh, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property 3516 to 3518 Sacramento Street, appealing the issuance on December 4th, 2023 to Margaret Rogerson, Rogerson of an alteration permit, revision to building permit application number 2000-0614-2628. Response to planning enforcement case number 2020-001795 to correct proposed building height to comply with required zoning height limit, remove approved ground level garage and expand retail space. This is permit number 2021-0802-5569 and we will hear from the appellant first. Mr. Van Roden. Welcome, you have seven minutes. So uh, my name is Ed Van Roden. The reason I'm, I'm appeal this, sorry, can you hear me? Better. Uh, the reason I'm appealing the permit is that uh, the, there's currently a three-story building that's gonna go to four stories. Uh, it's going from two stories of commercial space to three stories of commercial space and adding a fourth floor residence. Um, my view and other people's view is that for ADA requirements, there should be some kind of vertical access for the people to access this. Um, because I don't know how anybody would get to the second or third floor by stairs if they're in a wheelchair. Um, based on the California State Boarding Building Code that's triggered, Title 24 that's triggered, it must have all this compliance. In addition, the California civil rights laws say that to protect the right of individuals with disabilities for full use and enjoyment of all business establishments. I don't know how that would be possible when this thing's on the second and third floor. Only the first floor has access from the, from the street without stairs. I've been chasing DBI for many months, for over a year on this actually. They finally said to meet with Thomas Fessler. He said the plans are all over the place and we need vertical access. Then he referred me to Joseph Hospital, who said he's working with the architect to try to remedy this. There's also a, a services business on the third floor, which is still illegal. It says on the, the plans that they're going to vacate April 2023, which they have not. Um, there's also a permit that was taken out to reinstall sprinkler systems. They got parking permits for this that um, had no building plans, and, and they, they removed the entire front of the stairs as part of this process. That's not, that, was not, that was done over a month ahead of time prior to the actual permit that, the, that I'm appealing today. They, start, they, they, was just, they started the work prior to November 1st, and the, the permit was approved December 4th. Um, it's also abused spaking, parking spaces, many notice of violations over the years. It's been sort of a nightmare living next door. As far as some evidence for you, um, do, do you want me, I sent this in, do you need to sit again or no? For the audience, do you need to see the evidence again, photos and things, or no? Okay. I'll just show this one if I can. Overhead, please. This is an example of the parking that you see the first spot. The mic. You see the first spot is the little red bucket with a sign, and the dumpster, and then the truck, and then the red bucket in front of the truck, which is the recommended truck. That's went on for a long time. She reserved two spots, she had three. Again, I, I 
try to remedy it, but the city is difficult. The other thing is that for the infeasibility technical exception, I had both an architect and a structural engineer look at that, and they said complete nonsense, made no sense at all. Um, that there's many ways to to resolve this, many places to put an elevator if needed. So I'm not sure why it was approved, but there's, it needs to be reviewed further, is my view. The plans also that I saw online and what she sent me are also different, which is very suspicious to me as well. Second time it's happened in the past. In addition, for California standards access, the definition of a shopping center is only one or more sales or rental establishment or stories, stores. She's got four retail spaces. She's a shopping center. There's different laws required for shopping centers. Here's the exception clause that they're claiming. Uh, again, any privately funded multi-story building is not a shopping center. This is for your reference in the plans that shows the existing business on the third floor is still there. Again, lots of abuses along, along the process. She, plays, she has permits from 1999. She plays with DBI all day long. She, they can't keep track of her. I just need someone to keep a closer eye on this, have her comply with all the rules that everybody else does, and not work all those loopholes that don't seem to be correct. Thank you. Are you finished? Okay. I don't see any questions at this time, so you can be seated. We will now hear from the permit holder. Hello, commissioners. Uh, my name is Alex Santos of uh, Altos Engineering, and I'm the uh, engineer of record for the project at 3516 Sacramento Street. Uh, I joined in 2019 um, at the same time that the NOV and notice of enforcement was uh, issued related to the height of the uh, vertical addition. Uh, keep in mind that the vertical, vertical addition that was previously approved had never been constructed, it had not even been started to be constructed. So this was based on the previously approved plans uh, back in 2001. Um, so this NOV required a full resubmittal of the previously approved vertical addition plans to be reviewed by both uh, building and planning department. So given, na given the nature of the project, the plans were scrutinized uh, by every department over the past few years, uh, in including reviews by both supervisors and senior level plan reviewers. Uh, at the architectural, engineering, and planning level. Um, regarding the architectural and ADA component of the project, it was originally plan checked by Jeff Barnes, who has extensive experience as both a plan checker and a building inspector. Uh, and after he approved it, um, it was subsequently reviewed by Joe Hospital, uh, who was just coming from the Mayor's Office of Disability um, and is now a senior building plan checker. Uh, I would consider him one of the experts in um, accessibility and ADA codes in, in city government. Um, following those two, uh, uh, the structural engineer um, that reviewed the plan, Supervisor Vivian Wong, also reviewed the architectural and accessibility plans. 
That is three senior level plan checkers looking at the ADA of this project. For new construction, we understand every commercial floor must be accessible to the public and comply with ADA codes. However, for existing structures, especially in San Francisco, where buildings were constructed decades before the ADA codes were even existent, including this one, which records show this building was constructed in 1900. Um, there is a technical invisibility exception or exemption that can be applied to existing, uh, to, to existing structures if vertical access cannot be met. Uh, if vertical access requires the removal or reconfiguration of existing structural framing members, then that can be exempted if an equivalent ground floor service is provided. Creating an elevator shaft within the existing floor plan would not only disrupt occupied commercial spaces, uh, but penetrate critical structural members, such as the steel moment frames at the ground level, the PSL girder beams on each level, and the seismic plywood shear walls. So instead of, instead of an elevator or a vertical lift that provides access to the upper levels, the new ground level commercial space will provide the same service as the upstairs commercial. And that was, the, that was, uh, that was accepted by Joe Hospital and the building department as a technical and feasibility, feasibility exemption. And that, that's it. Okay. Thank you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we will hear from the planning department. Tina Tam, once again for the planning department. 3516, 3518 Sacramento Street is a three-story commercial building in the Sacramento Street Neighborhood Commercial Zoning District. Constructed before 1900, the property is a potential historic resource. The scope of the permit is to address a violation on the property, which is to correct the height of the proposed vertical addition. A previously approved initial permit for the project incorrectly had the proposed building greater than 40 feet, which is not permissible by the planning code. As part of this permit, the shape and height of the fourth story was revised and reduced to less than 40 feet. The permit also includes one terminating the unpermitted personal service uses on the third floor and converting them to offices, two, removing the projecting sign on the third floor, and three, replacing the storefront windows and front stairs. The appellant, Mr. Ed Van Roden, the adjacent neighbor to the east at 3508 Sacramento Street, is concerned about the lack of an elevator to this commercial use. As mentioned, the existing building is three stories commercial and will remain three stories in commercial with the exception of a new residential unit on the fourth story. The project as proposed complies with the planning code. Both commercial and residential uses are allowed on the property. Since the Department of Building Inspection is the lead agency for implementing the building code, I will defer to Kevin Birmingham to respond to the appellant's concerns about compliance with Title 24 of the California State Building Code. That concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Commissioner Swig, then Commissioner Trisvino. What, if any, uh, issues should we be concerned with with regard to planning? Are there any that you can identify? Are there any issues which you can identify that might be concerning uh, in any way, shape, or form, please? 
Thank you for that question. I don't think so. Based upon the brief and um, the appellant's presentation today, I, I didn't hear any. Um, so I think it's mainly about accessibility and the elevator. Commissioner Trasvenia? Are there any requirements or limitations on who can bring a challenge uh, on the grounds that have been brought on this case? Um, just to clarify, is this pertaining to the elevator and, and accessibility? I'm, I'm meaning the entire case. You, 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 you just described, I think, correctly, this is the case about the elevator and accessibility. Who can bring, who can bring this case? Are who there can any, bring are there the any, case? Are there any requirements or any limitations on who can bring a challenge? I, I don't believe so. I mean, I haven't heard any from a planning code perspective or a planning department review process perspective. Um, but certainly, if someone wanted to, they can. And is, is there any requirement to show harm to that person that you're aware of? Regarding the elevator? Correct, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure I can answer that. There isn't any provisions for an elevator from the planning code. Okay. So I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm okay. not sure how I can answer that if there's no okay. criteria for an elevator right. in the planning code. All right, uh, I'll keep asking the question to different people. Thank you. I, I would be happy to field that question. So I, I think Commissioner Trasvina is essentially asking a question about standing for challenging the permit here. And what the charter provides is that any person who believes that their own interest or the public interest has been affected by the granting of the permit has the standing to appeal. There is no injury or harm requirement when it comes to appeals before this body. Okay. All right, so we will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. Good evening again, guys. Um, this, as you know, has been going on for quite a few years, and, and because of that, was given extra scrutiny as it went through the plan check process. And as uh, Mr. Santos said, Joe Ospital, who recently came from the MOD department, which was very specifically deals with handicap accessibility issues. Spent a lot of time on this project and I believe he, he said he had up to 14 to 15 email exchanges with the architect to work out the uh, infeasibility part of the project. And they did come to the conclusion that what they would do was provide a space on the ground floor that would mirror exactly what was happening in the residential, or the, the um, let's see, what's he say, in the, um, in the commercial spaces on the second, third floor and the retail spaces so that if someone with a disability did want to access those businesses, they would come down and get the exact same uh, experience on the ground floor. And, the, and also the elevator was pretty much in, you know, infeasible and cost prohibitive in a building like this. Yeah. Okay, thank you. We have questions from Commissioner Swig and Vice President Lemberg. So, um, having had uh, a professional life that included doing, I can't tell you how many renovations of hotels or developments of hotels, it seemed every time we were renovating something, we would touch a stick and that would trigger 
uh, every non-compliant ADA um, uh, standard that we immediately had to fix. Um, that's, that, that is a jaundiced view from uh, a, a, a sorrowful owner's perspective. Yeah. I'm being a little sarcastic. But we're, um, but, uh, but, but, but literally, uh, if there was a, it seemed that if there was a certain level of renovation that was being done um, on the first floor, that suddenly the lack of a an, uh, an EDA compliance, not malicious on our part ever, because we were in the position of having probably bought a, bought the building from somebody, but it just triggered something that hadn't been done when the building was built, you know? So um, what, can you explain how the triggers happen? What triggers what, what, you know, what, what triggers uh, ADA responsibilities in, in a renovation in general? And then in this specific re renovation, um, the, I, I accept the fact that the building an elevator um, pr presents a significant burden to the owner and 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 therefore there's uh, yeah. there there might be a reason why it couldn't get built but what are the trigger points and also please address um, there was a said well if you're tw you know 20 percent of the of the project cost have to, has to go to to ADA um, but but what what if you know it's I I was getting confused there because you know, in the, the this day and age, who knows what what something costs, and if you know twenty percent of two hundred thousand dollars is forty thousand dollars. I think I did my math right, uh, and the and the bathroom that you have to comply make compliant to an ADA situation costs forty five thousand dollars. Do you not have to do the bathroom? So that that's I mean, those are the things that were going through my mind, and I'd really like to get educated around trigger points and uh, what and compliance related to percentages of, of project cost. And I think the other commissioners would love to hear that too. Yeah, I'm a little unprepared there, but I believe it's it's 15% of the overall cost of the job needs to be sent on ADA upgrades. And there is an ADA checklist to show where they've spent the money, where they do spend the money. And as long as you meet that threshold, you've met the requirements. In this case, they built an entire suite on the ground floor and that's where they basically spent their money uh, in to upgrade the ADA compliance on the on the property. But uh, yeah, in, otherwise they could have spent it on you know a chairlift up to the front door, door, front door hardware, ADA bathrooms. You know, there's a lot of ways where you can spend your money. Generally, you try to start at the front door door and work your way back. But in this case by converting that ground floor space into a compatible or comparable space for the upper floors, that's where they spent all their money. I'm not, I'm not familiar with, uh, I didn't get familiar, I'm sorry, I should have, uh, get familiar with the, the layout of the building with regard to the addresses and the use of the, the, the suites yeah. that are going to be commercial. Um, and uh, uh, can you, uh, but, uh, I, I think what I heard and what I read was that in the current configuration, floors one and floors two were commercial, and floor three was residential. Yeah. Now floor three is going to be commercial, and floor four is going to be residential. residential. It, am I am I right? Or I'm not sure. Can oh. somebody help me with no, that? No, I don't think so. I think 
So, um, assuming I'm, I got it yeah. one way or the other. If if floor one and let's let's move from reality to uh, conceptual, so I get myself out of trouble. Yeah. If if floor one becomes is is a barber shop, floor two is a fashion boutique, and floor three is a law office. Just because you convert floor one to uh, um, to a very very ADA compatible situation. What happens to the to the uh, uh, the the d disabled person or person with disabilities who needs to go see the lawyer on floor three, and how are they how 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 are their needs satisfied in a building like that when only the barbershop got the the ADA compliant uh, improvements? Well, you would have to adjust the ground floor to make sure they. There was a adequate or you know a comparable space on the ground floor, and, and you might have to reconfigure the entrance into both the barbershop and to provide a space for the law offices. So yeah, I mean this is this is what was confusing yeah. me, and I I bet you uh, that this may be the roots. And and in um, uh, in rebuttal, the uh, the engineer or the architect may want to. Yeah. Uh, address this. But I mean, they, if you have three three different uses, or even two different uses, I you know, in this case there there are at least two commercial spaces and one residential space. That, yeah. So that, from ultimate, what I understand, it's ultimately a, that's at least two commercial spaces yeah. and one residential space. I don't know how they're configured. And then I, think, I believe they've converted the ground floor to have a comparable experience for both of those right. uses upstairs. And so I want to know. If there are two separate two separate businesses on two different floors, how is ADA compliance is satisfied to the users of one which is on another floor versus um, you know versus the the businesses on the first floor? That's all, and you you can't answer that because you're not prepared, but that's okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe there you know there's an access to the ground floor, and you would go into one suite, and that would be the retail, and go into the next suite, and that would be the office space. Okay, I, you know. Unfortunately, I didn't quite look into that, but I mean, yeah. there's nothing stopping a neighbor bringing a lawsuit later on if he feels it's not ADA compliant. Yeah, well, that's 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 the other piece of this, is uh, again speaking from unfortunate experience. Um, every time I always did a renovation in a hotel, there was somebody, uh, some maliciously, some yeah. some honestly, who seemed to walk in and, and file an ADA lawsuit because there wasn't some technicality fulfilled. So uh, even even when there is something blatant, you're for sure going to get nailed. I mean, at the end of the day, this project's been going on for quite a while, and we know that, and it's getting very close to the finish, and we would like to get it really done. push it over the end and, and be done with this. Okay. And I, I, just simply because you brought it up and you said it in the way you did, I got to be a little bit snarky and say, so you're willing to get it over the finish line and and, and compromise the, oh, no, not the, the ADA law? No, no. I mean, I, I just not, telegraphed I was being snarky. Yeah, Sorry no, but, you, you know, this, it would be very quick to bring an ADA lawsuit if it was non-compliant. Yeah. So. Okay. We would definitely not skip on this, and like I say, uh, Joe Ospital, who was the plan checker on this, is a CAS certified um, specialist, and he came from MOD, and he made very sure that everything was very compliant in this project. Thanks very much for that. Thank you. Vice President Lemberg. 
Thank you, Mr. Birmingham. I have uh, some deeper dive questions, kind of similar to what Commissioner Swig was saying. Um, number one, just so I'm totally clear, because I've been looking at the pictures of, of this property, is the ground floor going to be fully ADA accessible at yeah. the at the completion of this at proposed construction? Okay. Because I, I keep seeing all these pictures where it's still stairs that I'm lead up to the, the ground let floor. Part of this proposed permit is to convert that into a storefront with the full ADA. Uh, underneath the stairs. Yes. Okay. So th that area is what currently? I believe it's just like a storage, unfinished space. As far okay. Uh, that is very helpful. Uh, thank you for that. Number two, um, being as the residential unit on the fourth floor is new uh, and did not previously exist, does this, is there no requirement to make that unit ADA accessible as well? No. Okay. Because it's the only unit in the building. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, and following up to the previous question, the, the ground floor ADA accessible unit that's being proposed here. Um, is it, would that space be occupied by one of the current tenants or, or, or are there multiple tenants in the building? First of all, because I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm concerned that that's a question for the permit holder, but my, what's going through my head is that, you know, the, this compromise was created to create this ground floor space, uh, that's ADA accessible, um, but if it's because, say, for example, one, one tenant has all three stories, that condition could easily change in the future is what my thought was. But how does this, how is DBI ensuring that this ground floor space can be used as an ADA accessible space by any of the occupants of the commercial spaces in perpetuity? That's my question. I would presume it's tied into the lease that that is part of that space. You know, because it would be two separate spaces. In this case, one's a retail space, one's a, uh, an office space. So space A would have part of the ground floor, and that is tied to the lease on the retail, and part B would be tied to the the um, the, the office space. So it, it will always belong to one of those two spaces. It, has that been confirmed by DBI, or is that just an assumption? Uh, I would have to check. Okay. Um, but generally, we wouldn't issue the permit unless there is safeguards in place to make sure that that remains, you know, a comparable experience for those different spaces. Okay, I will be asking that question to the permit holders in rebuttal. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Okay, this is kind of a, a broader question, um, just because this set off a bunch of red flags for me. But generally speaking, how does a 2020 enforcement case? Um, lead to an alteration of a 20-year-old building permit. I've never seen that before in my time on this board. We've seen some pretty old permits, but this one I yeah. believe is the oldest by a pretty significant margin. Um, I believe Alex addressed that. That permit was never actually executed, basically, I, I believe. I'm, I, I'm not quite sure. Okay. I... I, I understand what you're trying to get to. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to explain it as well, but, you know, this project has been going on for a long time. Okay. Um, I'm, I might formulate a better question than that, but yeah. thank you for, for now. Okay. Thank you. No more questions. Thank you.
We're moving on to public comment. Is there anyone in the room to provide public comment on this item? Okay, is there, yes? Do you want, we, if you'd like to provide public comment, please come up to the microphone. Yeah, I'm Dr. Charles Rogerson, and I'm an investor in the project. You're an uh, investor in the project? Yeah. Okay, so you're being paid by the, the, the permit holder? No, I've invested. I'm an investor in the project. I've put money into okay, the Okay, so I think you have I'm a I'm not fight. a member of the public, I guess. Right, so you okay. wouldn't qualify for public okay. comment. Thank you. Sure. Is, is there anyone on Zoom who would like to provide public comment? Okay, I don't see anyone, so we're going to move on to rebuttal. Mr. Van Roden, you have three minutes. So first of all, she's putting a fourth floor up, which requires major structural and reinforcement uh, in the building, much more than putting an elevator in, by the way. So I mean, it's sort of an excuse that she can't do this, woe is me. And I, we, I think it needs further review with true structural engineers to look at what's required and what this technical invisibility supposedly is, which is sort of mind-boggling to me. Uh, the next thing is um, the cost. He, he might, we need to verify what he just said. A lot of his information was incorrect regarding Title 24 and the, and the dollar limits. It's 20%. If she exceeds a 20% cap, then it's all in. There's no, she's, she's hundreds of thousands of dollars. She's more than the cap, so she's got to do it, right? She didn't address anything related to the Civil Rights Act either, as far as uh, protect all rights of individuals and disabilities with full use and enjoyment of all business establishments. There's no way anybody in an elevator can get beyond the ground floor unless someone carries them up three flights of stairs, right? So I know that uh, Mr. Hospital has a lot of background in this, but I think there's some loopholes and some things that got maybe over not looked at correctly, and I'm bringing that to your attention today. Again, it's a shopping center based on the California laws as well. So I think we need to take a closer look at all this, is my view. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, we will now hear from the permit holder. Uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, you so, have three uh, minutes. Thank you. Okay. So um, if it exceeds 20%, then, then it, it, uh, Mr. Van Rodden is right. Uh, it has to, the billing has to go to full compliance, ADA compliance. Um, the ground floor is com completely uh, ADA compliant, and the second and third level is the is where we uh, applied for the technical infeasibility. And there's a distinction between office and, and retail services. Uh, office does not require vertical access. Retail services do. And the retail services of the building will be accessible from the ground floor. So offices are, are, are exempt. Um, and then related to the kind of the existing or pre-construction conditions of the building, it was, uh, a three-story building. The ground level was a was a essentially uh, the first 15 feet were were was a was a was a was a I guess had had full ceiling height, and then it it it, it gradually stepped up into the hillside that, that created a crawl space. 
this permit created a, a, essentially a, a, a cavity. So, so this ground level is about halfway subterranean for the back of the building. Um, so the front is, is at grade level, but the hillside slopes up, and, and therefore we are subterranean for the, the final 50% of that, that ground level. The first and second level, so I guess, I guess for nomenclature, the first level is the sidewalk level, not ground level, uh, first level. And then the second floor, which is an existing level, one floor up from grade, uh, that was the first, I guess that's the lowest level that's always, that, the lowest existing commercial level. So it was a second and third level commercial building with non-commercial at the ground level. Thank you, are you finished? That's it. Okay, so we have questions from Commissioner Swig and Vice President Lemberg, uh, excuse me. Can you describe the uses? There's four stories. Ground, second, which was the first, right? Right. right. Then there's the third, which right. was the second. And then there's going to be. And then there's the fourth residential. Then there's going to be a fourth, which is residential. Yep. OK. So that, that lowest level had. And I'm clear. Oh, sorry. You, you answered my questions. OK. Um, the floor floor one has been remediated to be fully accessible to according to the plans and right. what I've heard tonight to be fully accessible. Floor two, which was floor one, is still not accessible, is not accessible. Correct. Floor three is still not accessible. Yep. Floor four doesn't have to be accessible because it's residential. Am I, am I doing a good job so far? That's right. Okay, thanks. Is it, is it anticipated that floor one, the new floor one, the new floor two, and the new floor three be occupied by, are they three separate addresses to be occupied by three separate users? Well, there are, there are multiple uh, commercial units per floor. Oh, there are so, right. so it's a series of, of, of units, uh, of, of, of independent rooms or, or, or commercial spaces, so with a, with a shared hallway. Okay. And those uses are defined on the plans, but they're, uh, off, they're, they range from offices to services to retail. Okay. So, um, so the new floor one... Does that become, for all intents and purposes, a, a common shared area for all of the users on the new floor two and the new floor three? Uh, no. Okay, then I'm really confused. Well, I, mean, I don't understand how this, is, this building is in any way, shape, or form compliant. Because if it doesn't matter what the uses are in those other areas, whether they are for uh, legal, for dental, for you know, a flower shop, for a dress shop, right? All right. Uh, and how can a how can they be 
Mr. Birmingham, you better listen to this because I'm going to grill you, and if you don't have the answers, I'm going to move for a continuance. Okay? And if you're not prepared, it's really okay. Continuances are wonderful things. You know, that's why we gather information. <clears throat> so, so floor one, right. which is the ADA floor. If I am a customer, and I don't know what's on floor two and floor three, and right. you don't know either because they're being renovated, okay? Well, they are fully occupied, sir. All right, they're fully occupied. Right. So that's So service. who's on floor two and who's on floor three? Uh, floor three right now is residential, I thought, though. No, no, that is floor four. Floor no, but three. no, 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 the, the current... The, yeah, current, the, the current top level is yeah. occupied by, by a series of offices. And, okay, and, cool. And so that's going to stay the same. Correct. All right. Correct. And who's in those offices? That's, uh, there's... Give me a type, not names. I don't need... Are they lawyers, doctors, uh, you know... There's a, legal, there's a legal team. Was the, would the owner like to step up and, and bail out the engineer? Thanks. Building. Would you step to the mic because the public can't hear you and we can't without you speaking into the I mic. Move, so move this down. Yes, please. Just bend it as much as you want. That's good. And speak clearly and loudly. Okay. So I bought this building in 1977. The previous owners were Pacific Psychotherapy. The entire building was used commercially and was converted in the early 60s by Pacific Psychotherapy and it's been used as offices. It's still used as offices. The Planning Commission, because we had estheticians and a hair salon on upper floors, asked us, if you look at the plans, and you see on our set of plans, there's before, current, and future. You can see that they removed anything that was um, retail, where you needed ADA access. The offices are not required, as he mentioned, to have ADA access. The second and third floor are used by offices. There's a law firm in there. There's investors. It's office space. There, there was one last person who, who, who was a hair salon who's been in the building since 2004, and he, he will leave. So all the rest of the space on the second and third floor are used by offices. I can give you their leases if you Thank want to you. see. Thank you. That's, that's, that's very enlightening. That's very important. Thank you. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, my, my question about the, the first floor. Uh, and Mr. Birmingham, you, when you step up, would you confirm again the level of ADA com, uh, compliance that, uh, that a law office or another, I mean, a law office is a retail office, even though they don't sell, you know, stuff. Uh, that it still could be considered retail. Any of these, I want to know the difference between retail and other stuff that, that skirts the need for ADA compliance. I think this was an issue with the Planning Commission. Yeah. And the Planning Commission, not DBI. I, I just want his okay. other opinion to warn him. But now let's continue. Uh, sorry for the digression, but I just wanted to warn him so he can get his m mind in gear. Um, so let's go to the first floor, all right, the new first floor. Um, what is that? What, what so do you, what is that? Is that a retail space? A reta it's a retail space. The building had an encroachment onto the street. There was no ADA access when I purchased this building. These new plans create ADA 
and a brand new space which never existed. Okay, so now before you could never even enter the building because when the building was built in, in 1900, there were stairs that go onto the, onto the sidewalk. The renovation that we did was a huge excavation. We've been before you before four years ago when my neighbor who has filed 40 complaints and has also assaulted me. I, I remember. I, I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. I remember. I'm, I was here. Okay, so I've spent my whole life restoring this building and making this a beautiful building in San Francisco. My neighbor has never spent all, nothing on his building. I feel like I'm being penalized by trying to make this building code compliant. I spent five months with Joseph Ostapal to make sure that any services which are on the upper floors have a place on the lower floor if it, if it requires ADA access. The only remaining person in this building is a hair salon. If the back portion is leased to a hair salon which, on the ground floor, which might happen, then his clients who require ADA access would then go to the hair salon on the ground floor. If it is not leased to a hair salon in the back, my tenant from 2004 will leave the building. All the other tenants are office space, and my understanding is that office space does not require ADA access, and not or like an elevator for like handicap. Okay. It's not retail so, is different. Than so office. basically, automatically, what happens in in this in this situation is that if there is a person uh, in a wheelchair or there is a person that has disabilities which prevent them from climbing stairs. Um, then they will be prevented from, it's not your fault, it's just the way it is, uh, but the... the, the but that's the law. That I understand I, that we talk about the law here all the time and sometimes it works for people, sometimes it doesn't, you know. It's just the way it is, but it's the law. You just, thank you very much for encapsulating the whole situation, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not arguing with you. Uh, so if there's a, uh, a law firm upstairs and that client has, has disabilities and can't climb the stairs, then, the, then they might be compromised. Their business may be compromised because that person um, can't climb the stairs. But from your view, and we'll ask Mr. Birmingham to confirm that, uh, the, it, it's not illegal. It happens to be uh, a legal coincidence, and, um, and that law firm is not going to have a customer or they're well, going to have to deal with somebody else. So deal with it the, somewhere else. The one lawyer in the building only works remotely and never sees any clients. Mm -hmm. the, the financial people, the, the people, the office, the people using the office space don't see anyone. Right. It's so primarily, the they're, primarily they're not in and out. They're not. They're not any. They don't see. Should. They don't have customers coming to them. Right. None um, of them. So the only the, the only space that has any any chance of being uh, a retail place to sell flowers, be a hairdresser, sell dresses or men's clothes. Um, that it's on the ground floor. They're going to be on the ground floor. Yeah. And that accommodation for ADA has been uh, made. Yeah. There was no ADA into this building to begin with. No, because there's no building and those things didn't happen there. And, and also we, we added 2,000 square feet of retail space that never existed on Sacramento Street. Yep. And we're doing a lot of glazing. And I mean, honestly, you guys, I've tried my best. I'm 76 yeah. years old. This person has stopped me every moment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. 
I didn't do anything to him. I, I, I understand, but thank you for your testimony because it's really clarified for me the, the uses and then align those uses which, with what Mr. Birmingham will confirm are the, are the legal compliances. Yeah, that's, that's, and the, and the planning commission was pretty, that's why, if, I don't know if you guys, I know you're all busy, but if you look at the plan set that's going through, it shows before, current, and future so that there is no question that on the upper floors, if there is something that requires ADA access, they must have a space on the ground floor. And if the hair salon, if the back does not rent to a hair salon, it could. But if it doesn't, he will leave. That's the only person left. That okay, thanks, for, thanks very much for your testimony. Very enlightening. I think uh, Commissioner Lemberg has a question for you. Or Commissioner Lemberg. I do. Address the, the owner, or would you like to address I think, the engineer? I think for, for you, ma'am, would be more helpful. Um, I, I want to ask a question I asked uh, earlier to Mr. Birmingham, but I realize it's more appropriate for you, which is that um, you've been discussing significantly how uh, what the current uses of the, of the units are, of the rental units are, and I certainly understand that. Um, but it, from my point of view, in order to have true ADA accessibility based on this plan, um, those access rights for the upstairs tenants uh, or, or the, 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 any tenants above the ground floor um, would have to be, I don't know, there has to be some enforcement mechanism because the uses the tenants may change probably will change over time. Um, so what enforcement mechanism are you creating either in lease agreements or some other method uh, to ensure that any future tenants in this building uh, will also have ground floor ADA accessibility access if necessary? Well, my leases are pretty explicit as to the use. So if someone comes to me and wants to rent a, another hair salon or an esthetician or some other personal service which requires ADA access, I'm not going to lease it to them. I mean, I, I, as my intention, I have no intention to break any laws I've done everything I can to make this building code compliant. You know, it's fire sprinkled, it's earthquake, it's, you know, it's a beautiful Victorian that's been restored. And this person next door who's filed all these complaints against me has done nothing to fix his building. So I guess the answer is that it, it's just, is it in all of the tenants' current lease agreements? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's all my tenants, I could present the leases if you'd like. My leases are, I use a Cowderly lease, it's very explicit what the use is, and, it's, and they are to be used as general office purposes, and offices don't require um, elevators in ADA, and oh. anyone coming to me, I have no intention to, to break the law here. Okay, it's so the ground, the ground floor ADA accessible space is leased only to the hairdresser? Well, if it's, when it finishes, there are two separate entrances. And if you look on the plans, the back section is what's called out where if anything, it's specific on the plan. If, if there is something on the second and third floor which require ADA access, this is the section where it will be. If the back does not lease to a hair salon, which it could because there's a lot of them on Sacramento Street, but if it does not, then when, when this project is finished and the ground floor has occupancy permit, the person who has it's 80 square feet. That's all he's got. He will leave. I promise you. 
Okay, so on paper, who is the, the ground floor space leased to? It's not done. That's why I'm trying to finish it. Okay. So it, the answer is not to anyone currently? Currently, it's, currently, the reason we're trying to get this permit through is so I can get occupancy permit after this huge excavation, new foundations, seismic moment frames. I just spent all my life building this ground floor space. I don't know who it will lease to. There are two separate entrances. Okay. If it does not lease to a hair salon in the back, then the, the person who has the 80 square feet who's been there since 2004, I will tell him that's it. All right, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Anything further? Tina Tam for the planning department. Um, just really have nothing more to add other than to confirm that the ground floor is proposed for retail. Um, the area behind the, the main ground floor retail um, does note that the space shall provide the same services by the same tenants as provided in the upstairs retail space. <clears throat> On the second level will be the Goldberry Jewelry Store for the entire second floor. And then on the third floor, it's noted as general offices. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions. We will now hear from DBI. There is a lot of different options and exclusions on an existing building like this. and. I would be happy to continue this, and the next time I come back, I'll bring a cast specialist and a senior plan checker who's a lot more adept at answering these questions than I am at this point. Um, I'd be happy to continue if that clarifies the situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was very helpful to hear from the owner. Yeah. Uh, who explained and then uh, and then the plans indicate that that the jewelry store on the second floor has a first floor access and that would handle the ADA uh, piece of it. My concern is this. Um, uh, I wish the owner the longest life possible. Uh, she and I are peers uh, from a chronological standpoint. So uh, I've, I've accepted that I won't live to 176. Uh, and I probably won't own my house and all that stuff either because I can't take it with you. Um, I, you know, sorry for taking for taking kind of a light air on that because we worry about it. You know, what's the point? Um, but, but, but the building's going to live forever, and there will be a successor owner potentially. And so, um, and and I I believe the current owner that she's going to be responsible. Um, I don't know the next owner, and nor does anybody on the, the commission. So my concerns are, that although she's, she has a level of integrity that puts it in the leases, um, do you advise that, that, that we put, and I would ask the city attorney, can we do this, put some restricted, restric, restrictive covenants uh, on, on this building so that if we approve this um, uh, this permit that acknowledges restrictive covenant covenants on uh, on the third floor uh, business yeah. only 
so that it retains a business, a, uh, a, a, a legal, psychiatric, whatever, uh, non-retail non um, use, and so that there won't, wouldn't, won't be a worry about that because we'll hold it, it'll be legally held accountable for not leasing to somebody that's retail that would require a broader ADA uh, yeah. I believe access. we can do it, but I would defer to legal. But I think yeah, we could classify the ground floor as mercantile, the second floor as office, and keep it that way. And you'd have to go for a change of use if you did want to change it, which would trigger ADA upgrades at that point. Yeah. How do we how do we hold account? How do we protect? How do we protect that when the current owner is no longer the current owner, and another owner comes in, that the, that there's a clear record. That, that that what is about to be the third floor cannot be used for anything but um, uh, but, but business office purposes and non-retail purposes. So I, I think the board needs to be mindful that what it has before it is, of course, a building permit. Yeah. So but we've done, we've put terms and conditions on buildings um, many, 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 many times. I just so, don't know if this is legal to do that I, in this case. I think what we've seen before is a, a, a use classification yeah. in the plans so that the Department of Building Inspection makes clear that the approval is for a specific use, right? Which wouldn't include anything open to the public in this case, right? For the floors that are up above the space where there's accessibility. I don't think a restrictive covenant could be imposed because that goes beyond what planning or DBI would have the authority to impose. Yeah. And so this board's authority is, is limited to, to what the city departments would have the ability to do in connection with the permit. Let me rephrase the question. What can we do to ensure that there is clarity and public knowledge that the, the, the new third floor will in perpetuity be restricted to office use? Well, what can we do? I don't think we can restrict it in perpetuity because okay. somebody down the line could potentially do a renovation and decide they want to make commercial spaces up okay. above. In, so right. so I, I don't in think- In its current condition, how about that? In its current condition, I, I think it's- I'm fishing. I, I think it's what DBI has yeah. indicated, which is that the plans could indicate a use restriction. At the, at the end of the day, if there are ADA accessibility issues, there are also private rights of action that can be pursued. Right. The, what is before this board is a building permit. And so right. the building permit can indicate a restriction on the use. Yes, right. Um, but uh, I'm not prepared to... So that, that's perfect. That's okay. answer my question. So as we move in, in today, if we approve this permit, can we put a condition or should we assume, that, do we need to put a condition of restricted use on the third floor just to make everybody feel comfortable? Well, I think it would be the plans that are yeah, approved be, by yeah. DBI. We would it's, need to confirm its occupancy on each that, floor. that okay. the occupancy is specified to yeah. indicate that the spaces are not open to the public. And then if someone did want to do retail on the third floor and they were willing to spend the money to put an elevator up, oh, yeah. then they could, and they would then yeah. be ADA compliant. All right, so, but, but in its, I, I, I think it would, if the issue is an ADA issue. Yeah. And we know that the law is that 
office use does not require yeah. that ADA, that level of ADA compliance. Yeah. That for, for future boards of appeals, for future uh, senior DBI officials, uh, that it be right there in front of them as on the record that yeah. says, this, in this current condition, this is restricted to non-retail uses or non-public, whatever yeah, your terminology is. Give us occupancy that, code for per floor. And I would like to see that if, in fact, we do uphold the, okay. the, the permit. I'd have to check. It might be on there already, but okay. I would have to check. Can you check? Yeah. All right, thanks. Thank yeah, you. Good storm going on, by the way, outside. I can hear it. President Lopez, I'm sorry, has a question. No, sorry, I, that was that was my question about the current state, which it sounds like you're gonna look into. Okay. Yep. Okay, thank you. Okay, commissioners, this matter submitted. Uh, while Mr. Birmingham is looking into that, uh, why don't we start on on this side with Commissioner Tresvina? Sorry, the 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 hearing's over. So, um, if if one of the commissioners uh, directs a question at you that, that potentially may be on the table, but we're in deliberations now. Thank you. I, I like the way that uh, Commissioner Swig is elevating the uh, ADA issues and future accessibility. I am not at all comfortable when I hear no interest or record uh, of the rights of people with disabilities. Um, and I, this appears to me to be an excuse to challenge the work that has been done by the property owner. Uh, I, I think that's a misuse of the law. Uh, I do not want to. I do not want to uh, credit the appeal with with any uh, uh, with any with anything other than it is brought in a larger dispute. I will not go into the details of the dispute. Uh, that are very much laid out in the record that have already that has already been brought before us, uh, but I do uh, I do appreciate Commissioner Swig looking for the proper protections, and uh, I'll be prepared to uh, support his motion uh, in that regard. Um, this is another case where I think um, my, the real property lawyer in me was coming out and wanting to do things along the lines of what Commissioner Swig was suggesting. But uh, ultimately, I, you know, being as the city attorney has told us that we can't uh, <laughs> impose any such conditions, um, I think that the. I think that the permit holders have presented as strong of a case as they possibly could here. And I don't really think there's a base similar to earlier. I don't think there's a legal basis to grant the appeal. And for that reason, I would have to vote to deny it, uh, to deny the appeal. Um, even though I, you know, I do have this kind of back, like itch on my back, on my shoulder to do something more than what we're able to do. But being as we can't, uh, we shan't. <laughs> I, I, I generally, generally agree with my uh, fellow commissioners. The um, private right to challenge ADA accessibility is a strong one, um, and I do think that it will act as something that will protect uh, the the future users of the building if uh, someone should end up in a situ if uh, 
if somehow a space is improperly used in the future. Um, I am in favor of making sure that the plans are appropriately clarified such that the third floor uses as office are, are clear. Um, it does. It is relatively clear that the first floor has flexibility to accommodate um, a tenant who needs an accessible space, um, and so I'm. I I do look forward to a, a response on if anything needs to be added in terms of use. I will also point out that change of use uh, restrictions also um, are a kind of a bulwark against uh, the improper change without uh, ADA considerations being taken into place. So we do have some legal bookends on what's possible here and uh, look forward to hearing if there's anything else that we need to add in terms of use on the plans. It looks to me like they're pretty well specified in terms of what the uses are, but we can wait for that comment. Okay. Um, Mr. Birmingham, do you want, you want to come up and then uh, <clears throat> if you don't know the answer, I was going to as property owner, if she had knowledge of on the yeah, plans, on, whether that's specified or not. So. Under this permit, it is R3 residential is top floor, B is for office space, and M is mercantile for the right. The and so, that, so it is these are it's the office space, whether you like it or not. Yeah, and All if right. you want to change it, you will trigger ADA upgrades. You cool. Know, and you have to be code compliant, no, no matter right. what it is. Uh, that makes me feel comfortable. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, I agree with all y'all and um, all y'all that, where are we in New Orleans? Um, and uh, uh, and I I am comfortable, uh, as my fellow commissioner said that that if somebody abuses the privilege in the future, and tries to put something on the 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 office floor that isn't compatible, I I, I know that uh, there there's a lot of scrutiny in the public about uh, ADA compliance and and they will be challenged. So I'm going to be. Um, uh, I'm going to be comfortable with that, and also it's it's in the it's in the plans. So I'm, I'm prepared to make a motion to um, deny the appeal on the on the basis the permit was properly issued. Uh, before we entertain that, I, I did want to say that that I echo the the comments of, of my colleagues. I want to thank, uh, in particular, Commissioner Swig for for helping kind of smoke out the the facts in this one, which were. Uh, confusing to me, I suspect we're confusing to to some of my fellow commissioners as well. And I think uh, your your questioning uh, brought us a clearer picture of uh, of the the proposed reality. And I also want to thank the property owner for for uh, presenting uh, her her facts and position and uh, and, and personal history with with the project. And uh, your your comments were. Uh, at least very helpful uh, to me in, in helping reach, uh, reach a, a determination here. Uh, so with that, we can move forward. Okay, so we have a motion from Commissioner Swig to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trisvenia? Aye. Vice President Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denied. Thank you for your patience. We are now moving on to item number eight. This is appeal number 23-061, Ming Mao versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, subject property 415 Grafton Avenue. Appealing the issuance on November 15, 2023 to Brian Edward Corwin of a site permit, second story addition at rear of home, upstairs addition to include two bedrooms, two bathrooms, one laundry room, downstairs remodel to include new full bathroom, kitchen expansion, new family deck, 
I'm sorry, new family room deck remodel at Backyard. This is permit number 2022-08150509. And we will hear from the appellant first. Ms. Mao? Welcome. You have seven Hello. minutes. Uh, computer, please. Huh? Oh, sorry. Uh, what do I do? Can you see computer? Yes, we can see it up here too on our screens. Okay, thank you. Oh, my name. Sorry. My name is Evelyn Mao, the property owner of 429. Can I go back to the computer? Overhead, please. Uh, you have to, the image. Huh? Oh, sorry. There you go. Oh, okay. I restarted uh, the time. Adjacent property uh, of 415. Uh, the two buildings, 415 and 429, are similar in terms of height and look. Both buildings have an A-shaped roof. Even though we are adjacent to each other, I'm able to see, uh, receive the light and morning sunlight as well. Uh, sorry, can I see that one? And you can see that this is the, pro the property that we have, okay? Um, the existing height of 415 is 24 feet tall. Uh, the floor ceiling is 7 feet and 11 inches. The new building will be 31 feet and 3 inches tall, and it will be a feather-shaped... Uh, it will be a feather-shaped roof, and you can see those lines, right? Um, and that will have a significant negative impact to the light and the sunlight of my property. I know Mr. Bryan has a hypothesis computer model about the solar shading. And based on his statements, page two, uh, the model also states the light and the sunlight will impact. And I only have 90 minutes of morning sun. So based on the model, the new addition will reduce 43 minutes from my sun, the sun, meaning 50% of the morning sun of my property. That is significant. But we don't know the assumption, what the assumptions are and what the criteria were they taken into consideration, including the replacement of the A-shaped roof to a fat-shaped roof. So standing on my property and seeing the sun movement with my human eyes, my observation is that once the A-shaped wood is opened up to uh, become a fat-shaped rooftop, it will block most of the morning sunlight. That is why I'm strongly asked for the three feet setback You will agree with me about my observation. I have been standing and seeing the morning sunlight coming to my property. It is my real experience, not from a hypothesis 
computer model. Let's take a look. Let's take a closer at the new building ceiling height. The first floor, as you can see. Can someone please shut the door to the hearing room? I'm sorry, it's a bit loud. Thank you. The first floor is, will be eight feet and five inches. And the first floor ceiling will be 18 feet and five inches. It implies that the first floor will be 10 feet tall. The second floor will start at 19 feet, five and a half inches. The second floor ceiling will be at between 28 feet and 30 feet. It implies that the second floor will be up to 12 feet tall. Mr. Bryant's new building uh, ceiling height will be higher than most of his neighbor home. Lower the vertical addition to 29 feet, Mr. Bryant can still have high ceilings for his growing family to enjoy. And I have some sunlight in the morning as well. The new building will install or replace window on the property line and install new window at the back of the property. I have privacy and safety concerns about those windows, especially those online log lines window opening over the property line. That will be a significant negative impact to my building. I also noticed that the three so-called, let me show it to you, the three so-called uh, existing window may not be qualified as grandfather window. You know why? According to, Ms., uh, to a San Francisco building code, the existing lot line window can only be replaced, not re not, can only be repaired, not replaced. The, window, the building was built in 1900. Those are vinyl windows. So they're not original. They are replaced without permit because I cannot find any record in DBI about this window work. Um, so I'm asking DBI, the city consider those vinyl windows as Will the city consider those as, uh, as grandfather window if they knew they were replaced without permit? If not, they should be treated as a lot line window, as same as those new window. I discussed my concern with Mr. Bryan in the past year. I suggest the new drawing to set back three feet and use skylight instead of lot line window. Mr. Bryan reject my suggestion. Then I suggest an alternative to change the vertical addition from 31 feet to three, 31 feet three inches to 29 feet. And all lot line opening to be upscaled, non-operatable, and fire rated. I tried to negotiate with Mr. Bryan so we could come up with a solution, but he also rejects my suggestion. I remember my last conversation with Mr. Bryan last November. He said to me, he had no privacy concerns, and he can stand naked in seconds. front of his window, and his, this statement made me uncomfortable. 
and I feel like I was sexually insulted. The year, the, the, your decision about my ass should help to avoid this from happening again. In my best neighbor, neighborly voice, I believe my ass is reasonable. I hope I have provided sufficient background information for you to rule that the vertical addition you, be sufficient. Okay, thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Epler. <clears throat> yeah, just, just one quick uh, question. Um, you you know, have a couple of requests, and, and there's an or in there where you ask uh, for a three-foot setback or 29-foot height. That 29-foot height would be, if I'm understanding all the plans correctly, two feet shorter than what is currently proposed. I ask, uh, I'm very humble, right? Okay, yeah, understood. And, and you know, it's nice to have options, and it helps us, too, and so that, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, can you, I, I know that you, you take some, uh, you know, you have some sus suspicion about the uh, the shadowing study. Can you can you articulate how much additional solar benefit you would get from the two foot? Sorry, there you go. Two foot change in in height during the course of the day. Do you have any metric for for what that benefit would actually look like? I do not. Uh, the only thing is based on my human eye. Uh, observations, you know, and that's why I prefer three feet setback, but I, as a good citizen and a good neighbor, I also suggest to just lower this. Uh, and just keep in mind, I only have 19 minutes of sunlight in the morning. So 43 minutes of reduction of my sunlight is talking about 50% reduction. It's significant, I think. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Vice President Lemberg? Thank you, Ms. Mao. I, I have one more question that often uh, Commissioner Swig asks. Can you, can you kind of detail the, the conversations between you and your neighbor regarding the scope of this project? Uh, kind of the, before any of these appeals were filed, can you kind of explain to me how, explain to me what the conversations were like between you and your neighbor regarding trying to find common ground uh, as to how the project might be able to move forward? Uh, other than the one that I just talked about in my statement? Yes. Uh, were, there, uh, were there ever discussions about the plans themselves or, you know? He never come to me about the plan before he submit to the DBI. And I thought we were a good neighbor. I was a little bit disappointed his action, but it's okay. That's why I have to appeal. I did talk to him to a couple uh, options, but he rejected all my options, you know. And then he said, oh, it's okay. But it's not okay. Okay, thank did you. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. No more questions. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the permit holder, Mr. Corrin. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Thank you. Hello, Commission. Uh, my name is Bryant Corwin. I am uh, the owner of 415 Grafton Avenue. Uh, I was born and grew up in San Francisco, and I absolutely love this city, and I feel incredibly uh, privileged and lucky to uh, be able to have bought a house here um, and live close to my family. Uh, my partner and I feel that we got one of the uh, last deals in San Francisco that has allowed us to stay here. Um, I live there with my partner, my 
six-year-old, seven-year-old son, my three-year-old daughter, and my mother-in-law uh, in about a thousand square foot space. It is uh, old um, and needs to be updated and upgraded. Our whole plan this time was to live in it uh, until we could save up enough money to do a remodel. Um, we have gotten to that point now where we um, are ready to do a remodel and add a little bit more space, about 650 square feet of additional space. Um, we believe this to be a very modest uh, addition, uh, really meant to allow us to grow into the space. Uh, my two kids currently share an incredibly small room that they are quickly growing out of, and so we need uh, to, to make more space. Um, when this went up for public notice uh, as part of the planning uh, department requirements, um, Evelyn requested a, a discretionary review. Uh, at that time, uh, I met with her. She and I met for about two hours uh, at my house where we uh, walked my property inside and out. We looked at her property um, and, and discussed her concerns. Um, I then went back to my architect with her concerns to identify what we could do, what our options were. We looked at lowering the height, the two feet that she, she suggested. Uh, we did the, we updated the solar study and it provided about one minute of additional direct sunlight into those windows. Um, after I had those conversations with my architect, uh, I sent an email uh, to her um, outlining some options that we could discuss and what was possible. Um, she did not respond to that email. That was February 12th of last year. She did not respond to that email, nor did she respond to numerous requests by the planning department to mediate this issue and try and work together. Uh, it wasn't until the day after the hearing on March 31st that she then responded and asked for uh, some, some changes to the plan. Now, that was after the uh, discretionary review hearing, and during that hearing, it was stated that um, there was nothing extraordinary about this addition, and it was unanimously declined. So then the day after, she responded uh, looking for uh, changes to the plans, but I did not feel comfortable making any changes to the plans because then it would have opened up the process again for public disclosure and would have required to go through that 30-day notice and everything again. Uh, the existing house sits on the property line, um, and so the addition uh, continues that trend. Uh, if we were to do a three-foot set, three setback from what exists now, uh, it would significantly reduce the amount of livable space that we could have there. Um, there are three existing windows. They were there when we bought the place. Uh, I have no idea as to the history behind them. All I know is that when we bought the house, those three windows were there. Uh, and in this remodel, two of those get replaced. They're currently operable, non-fire rated, um, and they would be replaced with fire rated, non-operable windows as is required in AB009. Uh, I am fully aware of uh, the risk and responsibility, especially after sitting through that uh, past hearing about windows on the lot line and, and recognize that. Um, the main, the primary purpose of this is to 
allow light to come in, not for views, but really to allow light into the space. Um, ideally, I would like to keep as much of the roof available for uh, solar panels uh, in the future when that becomes financially feasible for us. Uh, regarding the height of the building, it is a, a sloped roof up for the new addition, so it is a little taller in the front than it is in the rear. Um, it is lower than the zoning maximum of 35 feet, so we did not even go to uh, the maximum height. Uh, and at the rear, uh, that allows for eight-foot-tall ceilings, which is just a little bit higher than the seven-foot-six minimum that's required and, in my opinion, is actually quite short. I can easily reach up and touch those. Uh, and that's where the, the kids' rooms uh, will be in the future. Um, with regards to the windows again, um, the three new windows, one of them is on the ground floor that is then, you know, kind of matching up with her floor as well. That is in the bathroom and it is a narrow up high window that's above the line of sight. It's really there to, to let light in. The other two are on the upper floor and look, you know, above her roof line or kind of at her roof line and above. Um, you know, the appellant's house is on a very large double lot. It is fully detached. It does get daylight and sunlight all, all day long, um, especially at the rear where our house um, does not and will not fully uh, reach the, the depth of hers. Um, we, we really just want to get a little bit more space and we believe that this is a pretty uh, modest and reasonable addition. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Epler has a question for you. Uh, yeah, just one question, yeah. um, right. since I kind of asked on the other side, and then uh, you, you mentioned that your roof slopes. The highest point of your roof appears to be uh, that 31 one feet uh, and three inches. Do you know what the height is uh, at the south part, the, the lowest part there, what the, what the height is there? Um, I, I don't know offhand. That is in the drawings that were provided um, in the brief. Uh, so if that's, would you say it was 31? Yeah, it's 31 at the front, at the top so part, and then 12, it slopes downwards 10, 10, towards the south. So I believe it would be three feet lower. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, so so 28 change maybe. Yeah. Okay, got it, thanks. Okay, thank you, you can be seated. Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Tina Tam for the Planning Department. 415 Grafton Avenue is a one-story over basement, single-family dwelling in the RH1 zoning district and a 40X heightened book district. Constructed before 1900, the property is a potential historic resource. The permit is to construct a new vertical addition containing two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a laundry room. The appellant is Evelyn Mao, the adjacent neighbor to the west at 429 Grafton. As you just heard from the, uh, from the applicant, Evelyn was also the DR requester um, and is citing the same issues raised in her DR application. Uh, light and air impacts of the new addition and privacy impacts of the new property line windows. At the March 30th, 2023 DR hearing, the Planning Commission heard testimonies from both parties and voted six to zero to not take DR and approve the project as proposed. The commission did so because the project meets the planning code, 
and residential design guidelines, and there are no exceptional or extraordinary circumstances in the case. As an expansion in, of any building, it's anticipated there will be some changes for the neighbors. However, both the planning department and the planning commission believe that the vertical addition is modest in size and that the general setback of 11 feet on the appellant's own property provides sufficient separation between the two neighboring buildings. I'll go ahead and quickly put up some graphics. Overhead. The site plan um, at the top shows the subject property in blue and the appellant's property in red. As you can see, the appellant's property is double, it's a double lot, 50 feet in, in width, and it um, has its own sort of setback on all four sides. The site pan below shows the proposed vertical addition, the location of the vertical addition, highlighted in yellow. And again, the separation between building wall to building wall is 11 feet. Here is a existing and proposed side elevation of the subject property. This is the side um, in which directly faces onto the side of the appellant's property. The rendering of the elevation on top is the existing condition. And the elevation below shows the proposed vertical addition. There are two existing property line windows that are proposed to be removed as part of this permit and replaced with a smaller window. And for the proposed addition, there will be two new property line windows shown here in yellow. I believe these two windows are for, I think, a window to a staircase and another window to a bathroom. On this elevation, you also see um, the location of Evelyn's windows. And as you can tell, none of the new windows directly faces onto the appellant's windows, thereby keeping the privacy concerns and issues um, to a minimum. The Department and Commission finds that the project complies with the planning code and the residential design guidelines. The department recommends that the board deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued. That concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Commissioner Swig has a question. Um, as typical, my questioning uh, could, uh, first thing, could you put up the slide before, or the drawing before the one you just, you just put up? Um, so, um, even those property line, so this, this looks, if we had an original map, it, it, it looks like that the, the appellant's house could have been uh, placed on what, on a similar lot that, uh, of the size of the, of the property uh, permit holder. Am I speculating or, or, I mean, who knows what happened in San Francisco then, um, and, and thus the, uh, this is more, the, the appellant's property is much like a cottage, it seems, than uh, a full-scale house of the appellant. Is that, am I, am, I, am I being too logical? 
I'm sorry, I didn't if hear we, you. If we looked at an original uh, mapping of the, the city, would it be a possibility that those were that the, the uh, permit holders, sorry, the appellant's house was in fact on, on two lots, do you think? Or does that just, just out of interest? Sure, I, I'm not entirely sure. I, yeah. I do know that both buildings um, are similar in age. So they're super old, they're mm -hmm. like 1900, maybe even older than that. Right. And there are some, some random sort of older homes on wider lots sort of sprinkled throughout the neighborhood. Um, some get demolished and subdivided and, and, and new, two new buildings get constructed. But in this case, this remains possibly the original sort of configuration. Right. And the coincidence, the coincidence that, that the smaller, that the, the permit holders uh, houses on a, a property line is is really the the available use of a very very narrow mm -hmm. uh, piece of land and and um, and and that was the circumstances of the of the day. Well, it's narrow more narrow than the appellant's property, but it's not more 50%. narrow than the, than the typical San Francisco lot. Yeah, okay. twenty five feet. Okay. Um, uh, could the could the permit holder have developed a more ambitious project on uh, on his lot absolutely. with expansion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, the zoning for the zoning district arch one allows you to go full width, mm -hmm. uh, lot line to lot line, okay. with no setback. Yep. Um, and the height limit here, given the topography of the lots, thirty five feet, front to back, wherever the front yard is, wherever the lot where lot line is. Okay, you can so build this up to is thirty five feet. This could be considered a, uh, a a conservative addition that does not push put push the envelope in right. any way, shape, or form. It's a partial vertical. It's not a full vertical. Right. Number one to start mm -hmm. with, um, the slope of the roof um, does angle. It's taller in the front than the mm -hmm. back, so it's not consistently. I think 31 feet is, which is the tallest point of the overhang eave. Um, so it does slope down. So reducing the overall sort of envelope towards the back. Right. Um, and it's set back from significantly from Grafton Avenue. So from a street view, it correct. maintains a, mm -hmm. a less bulky situation. Correct. It's set back from the front. Uh -huh. And um, there might be even some more area in the back that can possibly push it, which is in the buildable area. But I didn't right. do the calculation. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and if the other... Uh, and if the other house is as long as it is now, and in fact longer in the or goes deeper into the property, then uh, the the permit holder's house probably he could have expanded the back is into the further into the lot. At least it, there's room to grow. That's my point. There is room to grow. Okay. That's correct. And he didn't push the envelope, and he's not being overly ambitious and trying to. Right. The do the, the addition that, accommodates two bedrooms to a bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you, is, uh, I asked this in the, the, the first session, I think, anything that gives you any There, there might be one that just came up that um, Mr. Birmingham and I just caught on. Um, there's, a, there's an existing property line window that looks like it's operable. Right. Um, so that, that would need to be modified to be fixed right. per AB. Zero zero nine. Okay, and that's something that DBI will catch and will not issue, will not, uh, will ask that modification, and we don't have to deal with that that tonight. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. No further questions. We will now hear from DBI.
guys. Um, DBI really has no problem with this permit. They've addressed the AB009. It's it's incorporated into the approved set of drawings. All all the protections that were we rent over in the first case are in place. Uh, like we said, we did just spot that that one window appears to be operable. It doesn't seem to be noted on that set of drawings that it is to be replaced by a fixed window, but we'll make sure that gets addressed before it goes out the door. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Any questions? I don't see any questions. You can be seated. Thank, right, you. thank you. Okay, we are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone in the room to provide public comment? Okay, is there anyone on Zoom to provide public comment for this item? I don't see anyone, so we're gonna move on to rebuttal. Ms. Mao, you have three minutes to address the board. Hello. Um, the last time I was here for the discretionary review, Towards the end of the hearing, I feel like my ass goes swept under rug, and that did not make me feel good as a taxpaying citizen. So I'm here for the same reasons. In the case of Mr. Bryan's already approved drawing, I'm asking you to consider the negative impact to the addition of his building will have on me, his neighbor. I'm asking within the law that you consider the three feet setback in his direction. In this way, Mr. Bryan can do whatever he wants in his building as long as it meets the city's building codes. As a good citizen, and a good neighbor. If the three feet setback is not an option for him, please, please, please give me the upgraded window, non-operated and fire-rated uh, fire light window, okay? I, please help me with this, you know, I don't want the window to be see-through if they are not for the wheel. Is it possible to get it not a see-through window? I'm not asking a lot, right? And if also reduce the proposed height of the building to 29 feet. This way, I can continue to get some morning sunlight to my property. I won't be concerned about seeing a naked man in his window, and I will feel more safe in my home. I think that solution will not we move Mr. Bryan too far from his intention to take care of his family. This is important. And so with the lights that is coming to my house and the not see-through window and non-opera above fire-rated window installed at my property line. Are those benefit to what I'm asking? Maybe it doesn't sound like that time to Mr. Bryan, but in my neighbor, my best neighborly voice, what I ask about what I am asking is reasonable. It's that I continue love where I live and why I bought my property. And Mr. Bryan, on the same hand, continue 
take care of his growing family's needs. And I want to add why I'm not responding, because I was sick for a whole month when I got this, uh, the, the time that they, he, he thank, sent me that. Thank uh, you, that's time. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Commissioner Swig has a question. Yes, I, 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 um, I'm gonna put this in the form of a question, although it's, it's for informational purposes. Um, uh, do, you understand, do you understand that the property line window that you're complaining about will be fixed? It's gonna be a fixed window and it's according to the- All, all the window? The, the windows on the property line that are, is operable, DBI is going, do you understand that DBI is gonna require that that be a fixed window that fire, uh, uh, fireproof all the current standing? Do you understand that? So you're getting your, your wish on that. Do you but, understand? But, but Mr. Rick, you know, that three existing window was not as, uh, uh, right now it's not great, they, they thought it's a grandfather, but I already told you, there shouldn't be a grandfather. So I hope this three yeah. existing window also be non-operatable. It, it is not gonna be operatable. And Mr. Birmingham, would you please uh, help uh, the appellant understand um, later after, after the... So all the window on the popular line will be, okay. Yeah. Can I also ask for like not see-through? Uh, do you also understand that, uh, and it was a very, very important, um, um, ex when, when planning showed the, the alignment of the windows, the alignment of the windows do not uh, align with your windows so that when you will look out of your windows, you know that you will not see into your neighbor's windows. And, and if you would like to see that, I'm sure they will show you that uh, you won't have that fear of him looking into your house or you were looking into his house. Do you, uh, did you see that, uh, that I, example? I, I understand, Mr. Rick, but the thing is like, yes, I'm not saying, but it's not like that. I have 180 degree wheel, right? So I can still see something. If someone standing in front of the window, I can still see it. And, and they can put a curtain in front of themselves or not. Uh, and, the final, and the final thing, uh, I know that you want a 29 foot height, the, the peak, but if you, what, what, did you look at the design of the house and see that, uh, first of all, uh, the, the addition is, is set back uh, uh, from, it's not from the, the Grafton Street all the way back, it is, it is partial, okay. And also that the front of the addition is 31 feet. The back of the addition, my, by my estimate, uh, is probably 29, 28 or 29 feet. So in fact, it, it is not 31 feet all the way. So in, in fact, you do get uh, the, the, do you understand that the, uh, uh, the permit holder has really worked to accommodate your needs uh, even though you may not think that. Thank so, you. All right. Thank Do you, you understand? I want to make sure that you understand I, that you're you're getting pretty much what you want, and also I, you. I also give in. Okay, don't right. forget. And I give in a lot. I too, you know? I understand, and that's that's what makes that's what makes you a I, lovely I neighbor. Good neighbor. I know okay. that, okay. and that's what makes you a lovely neighbor. Okay, and you also most importantly understand that he could have gone a lot higher and done it front to back. And so do you understand, please, that he's being a good neighbor, too, um, by, 
by designing something that is good for him, but not everything that he could have gotten because he's being respectful to his neighbor. I want, do you understand all that? Yep. Okay, I want you to feel comfortable. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's much and that better you're than, And that yeah. you're listened to, okay? Thank you so much for listening to me. All right, thank you. thank you very much. Okay, thank, thank you. you. We will now hear from the permit holder. You have three minutes. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, I do just want to start by saying that uh, Evelyn has been a great neighbor. Um, we've gotten along very well on everything except for this. Um, my, my kids enjoy her. She's been, she's been great, and this has been the only point of contention. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, on the addition, you know, there's the two existing windows that are getting replaced by three non-operable fire rated. Uh, it was brought up the, the other operable window uh, that is our, our current bedroom in the front of the house. Uh, that is out of the scope of the addition. That is not being, that part of the building is not being touched. It is only the rear that is um, getting rebuilt. Okay. President Swick, I mean, Commissioner Swick. Used to be president, once president. Okay, ask, ask Donald Trump, he's still president, according to him. So why, why the hell can't I be still president? Uh, sorry. Um, that was that was inappropriate, but true. Um, you understand that that those, and I'll ask Mr. Birmingham to confirm this to you. Do you understand that once you have, uh, once something is illegal, it's illegal, and that uh, she could come, your neighbor could complain, a, a notice of violation will be fi uh, filed, and you would have to replace it anyway. So even though it's not within the scope, and Mr. Birmingham, if you would please confirm this, me being the amateur here, you being the professional, um, you're, uh, you're, you're going to be required to replace that window because it is uh, a non-compliant window, and because you're touching the rest of your building, uh, do you understand that you'll have to get that done? It's just it's part of the, the wonderful home ownership. Yeah, I was unaware, but hey, yeah, so be it. Yeah, it's, it's a window. Sorry. Um, all right, and you answered. I was going to ask you uh, on behalf of the appellant: uh, Is there the ability to uh, to frost any of the or make opaque any of the property line windows? But if I were you, I'd, I'd answer no, because that would be the the only one that seems to be uh, the one in question is your bedroom window, and I don't think that you probably want to frost your or make opaque your bedroom window. I, yeah. I prefer not to. Yeah, why don't you just put up drapes? How's that? Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Anything further from planning? DBI? No? Commissioners, this matter submitted. Just for proper, uh, Mr. Birmingham, would you please step up and please confirm that the bad advice I gave for once may, may be accurate about the operable window and your ability to rem Yeah, if it's non-conforming, it's non-conforming. It will have to be brought up together. Okay, thank you. Just for the record, thank you. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, why, why don't we start at uh, Commissioner Swig's end again? Okay, I, I find uh, no problem with this. This property has been confirmed by DBI and planning, so I would make a motion to uh, deny the appeal on the, on the basis that the permit was properly issued. Commissioner Epler. And nothing else to add? Me neither. I agree and I appreciate uh, former President Swig's uh, uh, extended comments that uh, developed the case and, and hopefully brought some, promoted some good and future relationships uh, with the neighbors. Thank you. 
Thank you, and thank you to uh, Commissioner Swig for also for your respect for election integrity. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I want to thank the the parties. I think I, I saw something a moment uh, here in, in in the latter part of of comments that I saw some some warmness there, and I wish that we saw more of that, uh, particularly among uh, in between neighbors. Um, thank you uh, to the appellant. I think you you raised something in this process that uh, that led to uh, the departments, you know, making a note of something that uh, potentially was was missed before. So thank you for for your statements and thank you also to uh, the the permit holder for uh, for presenting a, a, a reasonable and, and neighborly uh, case before us this evening. Uh, so with that, uh, I think we have a motion. Okay, we have a motion from Commissioner Swig to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Vice President Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denied. And that concludes the hearing. Thanks everybody.